I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Revely, revely, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. I don't sleep because sleep is the cousin of death and also because my daughter won't let me. Hi, everyone. It's the 21st of February, 2022, and it is time for another edition of your favorite podcast, Morning Combat. Hi, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. I am merely one half of your hosting duo based out here in Washington, D.C., the capital of Los Estados Unidos. I am joined by the boss of Connecticut, who's got the world's strongest back. He's my friend and yours. It's Brian Campbell. Hello, Brian Campbell. Luke, if if uh, if people only knew of the uh, melancholy and infinite sadness it took to get me into this chair this morning, because, yes, at 43, I've broken my back spinal <laughs> uh haven't seen the doctor yet but i'm sure he'll say i need a bacchiotomy luke is there anything more uh disarming in life than losing your mobility on the toilet is there, i mean really is there i mean you know elvis lost it all on the toilet i respect that by the way you know at 42 though but at 43 i mean you know you stand up you know and you're already standing luke people already know your preference personally right it's more of a southeast asian based preference which you know lines up with your birth uh but Luke, um, yeah, well, I cut all, you know, can we get the, uh, yeah. All right. So, uh, uh we'll do the, <laughs> yeah, I'll hang two, in here as, as long as I two, can. There's two kinds of people in this world, BC. When, when Daniel Cormier told people he nearly had to withdraw from a fight from an uh, aggressive sneeze, there were people being like, wow, that's pathetic. And then there were people like us being like, yo man, I totally get that. I yeah. understand how that could happen to your life. So best of luck to you i've been there bro i've had it i've had it so bad i've had it so bad that one time i could not even sit up or stand and i couldn't this was before uber eats anyway and i had to crawl around on my floor and eat leftover halloween candy because i literally couldn't sit up or get on a couch or into a bathtub that is the uh that is the rock of the bottom luke wow shout out to you there i'm not that bad but uh yeah i couldn't i definitely could not have made it to the restroom last night it was uh you know it was just a you're going to have to hold it. You know, you're going to have to sleep through the night. So, uh, uh, wow, Luke, this is a sobering reality, but I, I vow, I vow to rebuild my core upon healing. Okay. I you're going to have that. to, you're going to be right back here. If you don't, uh, you had a big weekend, a big weekend in combat sports. There was UFC, there was Bellator, there was knuckle mania. There was also very quickly BC. You were in Orlando on Friday for Showbox. ended up being actually a pretty great show. Your, uh, review of your experience. 
Thank you so much, Luke. And I appreciated your uh, social support for me just the same. Look, great great night at the fights down there in Orlando, Orlando for Showbox. Jermaine Ortiz getting the win in the main event. We saw a controversial decision. But yeah, Luke, I mean, look, I've said it before. I'll say it once more. Um, calling fights, being a part of it, you know, the soundtrack, the experience. Dude, that's that's it, right? That's 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 the end of the game. That's the best damn thing you can ever be employed to do. Like me, I like look, I'm sure Kendra Lust really enjoyed her prime. But, you know, at least in our field, this is, you know, this is black draw. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's, you know, it it's fantastic. I don't even know what to say to that. Uh I'm going to let that one sit a little bit. I'm going to let you stew in the juices of that one, so to speak. No, uh, We have a lot to get to today. Yeah, in all seriousness, great time, good times, great oldies. Shout out to the, uh, everybody on Showbox. What a great night at the fights. You did and a thank great job. You. And again, good fights. It was really good fights. And seriously, in all seriousness, the MK audience, they came out for it. They, you know, they DM'd me. They showed me love. Thank you, folks. for uh, Any, know, any MK fans in attendance? Yes. Though, see, that's the difference. Yes, once again, second. This is the second card in a in a month and a half that at that same venue in Orlando, and I got approached by another guy who said, "Look, huge MK fan, didn't even know this fight card was happening in my area until you talked about it." So I came wow. out to support you. Those Luke are the P ones right there. Okay, that's the P one for sure. All right, well, great stuff. So first things first, if you're watching on YouTube, like the video, hit subscribe. If you're listening on an audio podcast platform, please give us a nice review there. Uh, you can see all of our socials here on the screen. If you're watching on YouTube, you can give us a follow there. The Morning Combat name is consistent across all platforms. Uh, BC, I know we have a merch deal. Today is President's Day. Shout out to all of our former presidents, I guess. Um, what's going on over at morningcombat.store? Yeah, look, uh, our, our our man RJ Dunkelcapper uh, really wants to uh, move some product, and we do too. So we have a special President's Day deal for you today. Go to morningcombat.store. And uh, Gaff, what's our, oh, there it is. There's our code, LIVE10 for 10% off Morning Combat merch. Um, guys, I only travel in MK merch because it's so damn comfortable, okay? Well, in fact, you know, usually when I when I slip a disc in my back and become a cripple, it's, it's while wearing MK clothing. So, um, you know, hopefully you can do the same. And also, Luke, people know that later this week, you know, pending pending my, uh, my sacrodiliac reforming itself, um, We'll be back in Jersey City, and, and our merch master says we have fresh new merch to unveil Ooh. to the people. So, look, if you're a big MK merch fan, you're a collector, uh, it, you know, we got we got some new great stuff coming your way. And, look, I didn't want to let President's Day go any longer without just asking you who is or was your favorite president. Because I've always tabbed you as, like, a James Buchanan guy, you know, for a lot of reasons. But, like, who is your president? I thought you were going to say Taft because he got stuck in the bathtub. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Probably the one that, whose influence I think matters the most in my lifetime. Um, even though I wasn't, I mean, the programs that he put in place in my lifetime, probably FDR, but you know, there's plenty of problems with his presidency too. Yeah. So. Uh, you're a big New Deal guy. I knew that. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, that's the that's the kind that's the brand of politics. I, I, I suppose progressive, All right. uh, uh, under that guideline, not the kind that wants to do 
all different kinds of stuff with society. Yeah. Uh, okay, Gaff BC, reaching so we... out and saying he's a big Bill Clinton guy, and I respect that to a certain degree, Gaff. Okay, yeah. All right? Well, but he, that wouldn't be mine. That wouldn't. I be bet mine. he did. But... I bet he did inhale. Okay, bro. I mean, you know, who on this staff hasn't? But Luke, come on. You know, I, although there's also holes in his presidency. Look, Ronald Reagan's the guy, Luke. The actor, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't, the, the I don't think actor. I don't think that he is. I don't think I don't think his record would hold up to that. But uh, in any case, uh, let's see what else we got. We got, of course, the email morningcombat at gmail.com for Wednesdays fan subs, Fridays dead wrong, and then of course Showtime. We told you you had BC Fridays, you had Bellator Saturdays on the weekend. If you still haven't taken the uh, the iced tea plunge or whatever it is, Showtime.com. You get a thirty day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, go do whatever. But it's not just live programming. It's everything stored on the app, so it's a ton of quality content. Yeah, All right, BC. If, oh, and by the way, nest. I got to say, yeah, sorry. One thing that keeps me going, BC, and keeps me centered is our next partner. And, I, of course, I'm talking about the one and only Athletic Greens because, you know, BC, I want better back health, but I want better gut health, more energy, and I don't like taking a ton of pills and vitamins. Nobody does, Luke, but I'll tell you what about AG1 Athletic Greens. We love it. You want to know why? Because it doesn't taste like it's super healthy. I'm going to be straight up honest with my black liver. It has kind of a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to each morning. It's the, Look, it's the first thing I take. First thing I jump into. It really is. I'm pretty close with me. It's usually right around breakfast. You get 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. Yeah, the special blend of ingredients, they support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, hopefully coming soon, you're back as well. Uh, I take it, uh, as we said, on busy days, I take it on slow days, but it's convenient, it's fast, it's quick, it's easy. It's so convenient that I'll probably start to travel with it, Luke, when I head out to Showbox. It's that, it's that easy, and it, you know, when you have a diet like mine, it helps fill in the blanks. It's right. It's lifestyle friendly. So if you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy free, or gluten free, contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything, while still tasting good. And here's the key for people like me: it costs three dollars a day. How about less than three dollars a day? You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your own cold brew slash Delta Nine habit. Luke. Taking Athletic Greens is a small micro habit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. Indeed, and Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews and is trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. All right, so right now, time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into flu and cold season. Just one scoop, scoop excuse me, in a cup of water every day. That's it. That's all it is. It's a scoop, water, drink. No more. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you for free, a one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash morning combat. It's that easy, folks. All right, folks. Again, athleticgreens.com slash morning combat, athleticgreens.com slash morning combat to take your ownership over your health and pick up the yeah. ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right. With that in mind, BC, let's get the show started here. We go to topic number one. We will start with the UFC because really that was a pretty impressive showing that we had from Jamal Hill. Let's start with him. He ices Johnny Walker inside of a round. I think just a few minutes. I have to look at the time specifically. It was, I think, honestly, BC, the first time he threw that punch, the first time it closed the show when he switched stances and then landed the the, the counter there. 
So let me ask you this. What did you make of the performance? And then more especially, how good is Jamal Hill? You know, I like that you lead with that because I think rightfully so we led the preview about the questions Johnny Walker has to answer. And it could be just as easy to say, well, what the hell we learned from Walker. But I liked what we learned from Jamal Hill. I liked his presence on the microphone or afterwards with his son at the press conference or at the desk. But most importantly, in the cage, I learned that there's some real poise and presence there to go with what is elite power. And the power is played out now each time he stepped up in class. And we knew this fight had the potential to be fireworks only it wasn't going to be a lot of fireworks because once Jamal Hill gets a clean shot on you, you're going to be pretty close to going out. So, Luke, you know, do how much more do I know about him than I knew coming in in relation to the idea, does he have a complete game that can contend for a title? I still think we don't really know that, but you got to take his threat legitimately seriously. And once again, he proved that. And uh, rightfully so to grab the mic afterwards and be like, let's start talking about what I'm capable of rather than, you know, what limits me. It is that time for Jamal Hill. I think I think that's right. He, he was saying that we need to have a different conversation around him. And I think he has more than earned that at this point. He was to me, you know, an interesting prospect, a good prospect. One was taken seriously, but I did not necessarily peg him for the bright lights. And to your point, did we see him? fend off takedown attempts relentlessly? Did we see him get out of bad spots? Did we see him, you know, fight for long stretches in the clinch or even have this fight go very long? Like, there's a ton of ways in which other elite talent are going to push him that Johnny Walker did not push him that will be more illuminating about his upside. In that sense, I don't know what this could tell you. However, what it can tell you pretty clearly is that this guy, A, makes reads very fast does not take him very long to start instituting some adjustments which is what that final punch that closed it was he was in southpaw johnny walker sort of kept circling the same direction he switched intercepted him slipped off the center line with a parry and then landed over the top i mean that was just great work but the point i'm trying to make here is we knew he was accurate bc we knew he had good punching skills we knew he was fast powerful dude he is a nemesis on the threat the first time he threw that punch it landed right on the temple. It was going to land either way, knock him off of his feet or just ring his bell one way or the other. And he did it so expertly, so effortlessly in making that adjustment. Didn't take him time to settle into that at all. Dude, on the feet, he is a handful. You cannot make very many mistakes. And in fact, BC, I think this is going to be the kind of fight. It's good for us, bad for Jamal Hill, but it may be good for Jamal Hill. What I mean is, the next guy that faces him probably is not going to do what Johnny Walker did. They're not going to be on the outside. They're not going to be kind of pawing or whatever. They're going to probably be in his face, backing him up, trying to take him down. But he has arrived. He is worthy of a big fight. He's, I think, you know, probably going to win some fights in that top 10, maybe more. He's a very good fighter. Yeah, th- this was big. And we'll probably get into it more and have you seen the shit to see the, the way that Walker's body reacted. But Luke... Can we tease that now? I mean, is this just Jamal Hill hits a hell of a lot harder than we thought he did? How do you even explain? Because that that knockout, it not only came out of nowhere, but the physical explosion of it was unique to say the least. I would say this. Um, Walker was kind of fighting off the back foot. He was kind of fighting, sort of leaning back a little bit. Not the whole time, but you know, he really wanted to be long. He wanted to put Jamal Hill at the end of his range. He did have a three-inch reach advantage. He is taller, right? So you would imagine if he could do like what Adesanya does. Again, right, no one's Adesanya, but you know what I'm saying. Like lean, get out of the way, use your footwork, get out of the way. By the way, 
his footwork was, you know, it's it, dude, you got to be, if you're somebody like me who's never fought, you got to be real careful when you're like, these fighters did something wrong. It's, it's not for really me to say, it's for his coach to say, but, you know, dude, he was crossing his feet up constantly in this fight. It was a mess. But to answer your question, here's the difference. He was kind of, when you're fighting on the back foot like that and you're barely getting hit or whatever, you're usually getting hit under known circumstances. You can kind of see it coming. You can roll a little bit or you can block or whatever, or you're just far enough away where you actually watch this fight. I think part of the reason why Hall switched, he's actually having a little bit of trouble getting through from that southpaw stance. Notice one thing Walker was doing well was constantly bringing his lead hand up to the same jab side as Hill, and I think Hill had a trouble getting that jab going, so when he switched, um, A, it was an element of surprise, but B, I think he also was able to make uh, better contact. But the point I'm trying to make here is, dude, two things. One, Walker never saw it coming. So the ones you don't see coming just land way, way harder, and he was moving into it as well, right, because he caught him jabbing into it. So he was moving into it, didn't see it. And then the other part is, dude, he just got caught at the very end of that, um, you know, with with all the power that Hill had to provide here. He was he was ready for it. He had read it. You can see him pull his head off. He steps off with his lead foot. He pulls the parry, and then he just drives it home. So he had a full, high, accurate shot from an accurate striker. The guy walked into it. He didn't see it. Dude, you're just you're going to have a hard time surviving in those circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. And in transitioning here to Johnny Walker and what we learned and really – you know, how much of it is panic now? You mentioned some of the stylist or, you know, technical uh, mishaps you saw in there with the footwork and what have you. I, despite that, until the knockout, you know, I, I kind of liked his attack, Luke. I liked that he was leading with, with, with hard kicks and the threat of that hard body kick. This isn't, you know, jabs. These are, these are dangerous shots to keep that distance because him darting in for a big strike is where he's most dangerous. But whatever you want to, you know, link up to the fault of him getting knocked out in the first round, and, and let's also put a lot of that on Jamal Hill, just kind of ready to break through here. It's not working. It's four losses in five fights, albeit against very good competition. But you know, two knockout losses. I mean, Johnny Walker is young enough and talented enough where I'm not here panicking about his job future, Luke. But how panic? How? How big of an adjustment should he make? Because I think at the very least, uh, I'm not here to say it is SBG's fault here, but this relationship, it just doesn't work. It didn't seem to work on paper to begin with. It's not getting results. So I think at the very bare minimum, if you're Johnny Walker, you got to figure out what team coaching staff style discipline is going to work with you. And by the way, I hold firm on believing that this guy is at his most dangerous when he's wild and when you when you are that and when you act like that, you're going to get losses like this. It's going to happen. Obviously, four and five fights is a bad omen, and we got to make major changes. But you're going to live by the sword. You're going to die by the sword. So I wouldn't be that upset about this loss if it didn't come in this context of four and five fights. But what is your greatest recommendation, still on the good side of 30, for what the hell Johnny Walker should do next to get out of this funk? Because I got P1 fans in my DMs going, bro, how about this guy at heavyweight? Can he just use his speed and explosiveness and just surprise these guys? Luke, wh what do you do here if you're Johnny Walker? Maybe, maybe. One thing I want to say I didn't say the last time out was, you know, um, I, I made a tweet about this, which got somewhat misconstrued, but it's worth pointing out here. One of the ways I'm able to detect what elite fighters are doing is just to pay attention to what they're doing. The trends will reveal themselves through their victories, typically, right? You will see what the modern 
very best practices are. And over and over again, dude, I'm seeing a lot of knockouts in MMA from guys slipping off of a jab and then countering. And I noticed that there's not many guys who can do that in MMA. And I tweeted, it gives you a pronounced advantage. And people were like, yeah, no shit. Of course, slipping gives you an advantage. But I don't mean it just in the most obvious way. What I'm trying to say is you see a lot of slipping in boxing, a lot of, to some extent, obviously, in kickboxing, more than you would in MMA. And that's the point. There is such a dramatic asymmetry between the people who can do it and the people who can't. You know, I don't know how Walker would have gotten around that. If you've got a guy who can attack in punch in the way that Jamal Hill can, and you got a guy that will walk into punches the way that Walker did there. I don't know how you solve for that anytime soon. It's such an asymmetry that it doesn't just give you an advantage like it would in any striking sport. It gives you a massive, True. massive advantage. And to the point you're raising, maybe heavyweight can go. Like this is beyond my purview about like how to fix these things. Because this is the point I'm trying to raise, BC. I'm with you. I was liking some of the stuff that Walker was doing, it seemed a little bit more, and he was efforting some blitzes as well. Now, those yeah. were a little bit, you know, they didn't go anywhere either, but he was he was definitely more offensive. But, but than you got to have that threat. Santos. If you're Walker, you got to have the threat of the big offense. And I thought he was mixing in the threat of the run in big offense with striking from the outside fairly effectively. I mean, look, he's not going to be a jabber and a pure boxer who keeps you at the end of it. Maybe a coach can try to implement that into the game plan, but it's not who he is. So who he was until he wasn't, I thought was pretty darn good. Um, But Luke, do you have to panic when you've lost four or five? I think the answer is resoundingly yes. So uh, is it just get a new coach, you know, figure it out. I mean, look, what is the true stock of who Johnny Walker is at this point? Well, seriously, where he is right now, is it still, is there still potential for it to be high with just some retooling and reshaping? You would imagine that when you're that athletic and you're that young and you're in a division that's by no means easy, but, you know, it's not the hardest division in the sport, okay? I think that's a pretty fair way to put it. You know, it would be wrong to just be like, oh, this guy can't do anything. But I go back to a dude, like, again, what happened between him and SBG? I don't know, but it hasn't borne fruit. I can put it that way at a bare minimum. Maybe it will the next one out. I I, I don't know, but it, to this point, it really hasn't. And then I go back to the dude, the footwork was a mess. It just was a mess. He was constantly crossing. And it's like, dude, there's a lot that is just not lined up where it needs to be for this level. Honestly, another thing could be just going back to a sub UFC level and then retooling a little bit. Now, I think he can get back here. Maybe he doesn't get cut and he stays here and he goes to heavyweight. Like, he is a guy who I think can and will win at this level, to be sure. But, like, when I go down the list of all the things that are just not in place that need to be to A, to build further where he needs to go, but just to get right. It's all it's all off for me. And so the solution, you can change camps, you can change weight classes, you can change organizations, but change is in order. Whatever he's doing, it's not getting the job done. Not, yeah, not even maybe, close. Maybe stop hanging out with Michelle Padeda. I mean, look, it's a it's a you know, it's I'm an old old man parent here, Luke. It's a fair request, right? That it guy's leaving. Do you by the way, do you like the heavyweight idea for Johnny Walker? I, I never know how to feel about <laughs> stuff like that. Okay. It, it's a panic move for sure. And your knee-jerk response is to go, didn't we just see him get one punch at light heavyweight? So how's that going to get better at heavyweight? But how it would potentially get better is that's still a big gap for most fighters, the 205, to, to taking on guys that are cutting down to 265. That speed advantage, it's always what we said about John Jones moving up to heavyweight. You know, there is that chance that he just goes up there and he looks like freaking Mayweather and doesn't get touched. You know, probably, there's that chance, right? That, that would allow Johnny Walker a little bit more room to set up some of these crazy uh, offensive moves. 
Um, yeah, yeah, Luke, maybe I would, maybe I would right now do that. Unless you are going to, let's say, announce that I'm changing teams, I'm taking nine months off, and I'm, you know, I'm ripping this house down to the studs, and I got one more giant attempt to, to re, to, you know, unless he's, if he's not willing to do that, Luke, then staying a gunslinger, going to heavyweight, and hiring an offensive-only coach, it's kind of like in boxing, Ryan Garcia, you know, leaving Eddie Reynoso. Now he says, by the way, it's because Eddie didn't have, you know, 100% of free time to give him. But going to an offensive coach in Joe Goose, and we're like, oh, my God, this guy's already got defensive, you know, major issues. But I guess you're just doubling down on what makes him dangerous. I think there's two paths uh, Johnny Walker can go. And, and if he's going to go the heavyweight, let's stay dangerous route, then let's stay really dangerous and let's get let's get somebody who can really bring out what makes you, you know, what makes you scream in some of your highlight reel performances that there's an alien in there, that there's something next level that needs to come out. Um, yeah, yeah, Luke, I'm going to heavyweight from him. He's got, it's crazy to me, he's got 25 professional fights, BC, and he's still making some errors that um, you just shouldn't be making at this level at this point. You know, and he's got great wins. Misha Serkinov, Justin Ledeck, Cleo Rauncher, you went over them before. Henrique Da Silva, I need to go back and see what he was doing in some of those fights. Now, granted, they're not very long, 36 seconds, 15 seconds, a minute and 57 seconds. It wasn't like these were a ton of tape, and maybe that's part of, part of the problem here. But I don't know, man. I really feel like he's just a little bit lost. It's a little bit lost. Like, you're trying to redirect him, and I get that. I go back to it, dude. I, I just feel like what Trevor Whitman did, people were like, oh, it's impressive that he took Justin Gaethje and made him better. It's impressive that he made him better, of course. It's equally impressive that he didn't really change him. You know, he did. Yes, of course, in certain ways he did. But, you know, Justin Gaethje still fights very Justin Gaethje-like, just more applied in a scientific, strategic, and tactical way. You get some of what Johnny Walker is doing as part of that, but it seems like it's not really him. He's cosplaying as somebody who's not himself, and I just don't think that's best for him. I mean, I, who the exactly. hell knows what is best for him? I can't say for sure, but do I, do I, am I seeing what is best for Johnny Walker? I don't believe that I am. I don't believe it's, that I am. It's like Luke, you know, a recovering addict. You know, do you want him to spend half the day outside smoking cigarettes all day? No, it's not good for him. But Luke, his body needs it in order to make this transition away from that stuff. And look, Johnny Walker's an addict to like danger and 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 you know stress and anxiety. Like the he he freaking loves that. So let him play. Let him play in the puddle. That's what that you know. That seriously, I say that respectfully. He is a dangerous knockout threat. Be the most freaking dangerous knockout threat you can be then moving forward because you're not going to be able to to rewire this this computer, you know? So Luke, let's not let's not get out of this without saying who should be next for Jamal Hill because this this was an announcement of who he is and where he might be going. So what is the next test for him when you look at the top 10 of these rankings? So when I look at the top 10, they go as follows. Johnny Walker was sitting at 10, Jamal Hill at 12. I suspect he will leapfrog him there and go into the 10th. Now, Paul Craig is sitting at 11. He might have something to say about that. But in general, let's say let's say Jamal Hill gets to the top 10. Then you would have either Craig or Krilov, Uzdemir, Reyes, Ankalaev above him. At that point, you get into the top five, Santos Smith, Rakic, Prohachka, and Blahovich. I think they're a little bit ahead. So in that space, who would I like to see? I like any of those fights. Dude, where's Dominic Reyes been? That's a tough test for him. Volkan Uzdemir was uh, on Twitter chirping about wanting some of the smoke. Nikita Krilov is vastly improved from when he had his first stint in the UFC. And even Paul Craig. Didn't Paul Craig 
if memory serves, didn't he beat Jamal Hill already? He did. Yes, he did. He, he, so he you could Savage do a rematch from UFC 263. Him. Yeah, exactly. That was Justin. Dude, that was in June of 2021. Holy smokes. So, so it's barely not even been a year. Like, there's a lot you could do with this guy. That's why I was going to counter you and say, I don't want the Craig rematch this quickly because they both look Fair. like they're going somewhere. So if they Fair. are going somewhere, let's reunite them, you know, a little bit further down when we have to. But yeah, any of those names you mentioned, uh, look, I think he, he at the very least succeeded in all of us taking him very seriously now. So that that's a that's a victory at the end of the day in, in a lot of ways. And and you know, if you didn't know him, now you do. So um yeah. Wow, Luke, if I make weird grunting faces, like I'm not I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not pooping in my pants. That's just the you know, I get yeah. I get those those intermittent blasts of pain, and then I you know get all curmudgeony and grow. You know. So. Yeah, dude, I I, I, I really want to make fun of you, but the problem is I've been there so many times that I actually do feel genuine heartfelt sorrow for you. But I am hoping that the doctor tells you you're going to be paralyzed starting tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> uh, point number two. Let's talk about a. Li- we'll talk about uh, all, all the other stuff from that card a little bit in the a little bit later, and especially an extra credit. Point number two, BC Logan Storley had I thought. The biggest fight on paper, certainly one of the more meaningful fights on paper anyway, heading into this past weekend, main event, Bellator 274, a welterweight showdown. Didn't quite know if it was number one contender at a bare minimum, pretty close. And it got a little dicey there in the uh, third and fourth rounds for Logan Storley, but he gutted it out and he beat basically in the end, I think in slightly overmatched Neiman Gracie. Does this win in your mind, BC, turn Logan Storley into Bellator's number one welterweight contender? See that that so for all intents and purposes, it was yes, that type of performance. It was gritty, it was gutsy. I mean, it was there was so much to like about it. But man, this is a crowded title picture atop that. Uh, Yaroslav Amoslav is gonna fight MVP coming up in can't wait. One of the better matchups you can make in the promotion. But Jason Jackson, I think, has the resume at the moment that trumps everyone else with the five straight wins and with the only loss in nine fights being really kind of a disputed decision. He'll have to beat Douglas Lima coming off of that losing streak first. So it's almost as if we have three and the third being Andre Korshkov, which I'm sure we'll get into, who also looked insanely great on, on Saturday night. We had sort of three fights where I think the winner in each could make a large statement to, to grab that attention and to, and to cut that line. Yeah, I think this was a potentially a line-cutting uh, performance. You know, I'm not sure which direction Scott Coker is going to end up going, but Storley put his best foot forward in trying to find out. And what was interesting, Luke, was for all the talk heading in about who's grappling, you know, who's, I'm sorry, who's ground game, grappler versus wrestler, would get the edge, would get the advantage. You know, this was almost Usman Covington won in terms of the reluctance of both to even really want to find that out. It was you know, 89% on the feet and Logan Storley can box, man. And we saw that, that, that motor, that aggressiveness against Amasov, which really put him on our maps in that three round war they had. But with the questions he had to answer coming in, man, it was great to see him pass that test. And Luke, it was great to see him get legitimately tested in what was a batshit crazy fourth round. Mm. I'll give this fight credit. It, It heated up. It got better as it went on. And they heard each other, and it looked like Storley, who later said he thought his orbital bone was broken. He went numb. He couldn't feel it. Uh, they both were in the dark, deep end of the pool. And I got a lot of criticisms for some of Neiman Gracie's strategic decisions, but no critique for his heart, his willingness to exchange. By the end of this fight, Luke, 
these two went at it. You got to learn a lot about them. And obviously, Logan Storley, rightfully so, is, is, the, is the big headline here. Yeah, I want to talk about Neiman Gracie in just a second, but speaking with Storley and this fight more generally, I, I thought this was a this was the performance I think he needed, quite candidly. The Amasov one was super close. Maybe you could score it for him, but you know, I didn't. I thought that Amasov I scored that fight in real time and I thought Amasov did it did more work in the end. It was so close though. And then of course he had that rematch, or I should say the rebound fight in South Dakota, which against an unheralded opponent didn't do all that great. And he's been this guy who's been on the radar for such a long time. I remember when Douglas Lima, I think, first lost the title. I was looking at the welterweight division and saying, you know, Bellator's got a lot of young guys who are on the come up here who are about to take some, so, but people need to take stock of them. He was one of them, if not chief among them. And here he was in a five-round fight where he didn't go back to his normal strengths of wrestling basically at all. I mean, there was a little bit where he had to, but more or less at all. So he was fighting outside of his normal comfort zone, didn't rely on previous strengths, stuck to a game plan. Showed a ton of heart after getting, could be his face broken, whatever happened to him, gutting it out, then re-rocking basically Neiman Gracie after he got rocked, stepping on the gas in the fifth. You know, dude, this was, again, it wasn't complete in the sense that he did everything, but he did a five-round main event outside of his comfort zone, stuck to a game plan, fought out of resistance, fought out of bad places when he had to, and then really stuck it to him in the end there by making sure he left you know, uh, no stone unturned by the time it went to the judges. That was a very, very developed performance. And we should say something, BC. You see a lot of these guys who are wrestlers who go to Sanford MMA and they come out looking great. Dude, Henry Hoof down there, and I'm sure it's not just him, but him and then all the coaches who have a role, whoever down there at Sanford MMA led by Henry Hoof, I'll put it that way, who's getting these wrestlers like Mike Chandler who can go low, go high. The reason why his 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 wrestling was so successful, BC, is yes, his hands have come such a long way and they gave him a great game plan. But at least early, he was threatening the level change constantly and it worked, dude, to put him off to a good pace to take that first round, set, you know, set the tone early. Dude, those guys at Sanford MMA, they know what they're doing generally and they're doing a great job with these wrestlers transitioning over. Yeah, that's where Rashad's found a little bit of a fountain of youth as totally. well by putting in work against all those guys. But... So Storley, I, I really, you nailed it. I really liked that he put all of those other doubts or whispers or concerns or fears we had for him away. He is ready whether he gets whether he gets a title shot next or who, Luke, maybe he gets freaking uh, Andre Koreshkov next, which would be a yeah. hellacious number one contender fight. Whatever he gets next, he seems to be in a great spot. I do want to just, like, are we victim of falling for the fool's gold, though, of two non-traditional strikers engaging in a striking match and thinking that he's more advanced than he is. I mean, the Amoslav fight was a little bit different because it was on the ground a lot and it was just constant back and forth of momentum. But do you think he can have this type of striking performance against a much more seasoned elite striker? Or do you not worry about that? Because depending on the matchup, he's going to spend half of that fight on the ground anyway. Yeah, it'd be the it'd be the latter. Gracie was the one that makes it dicey because if you go down there, you don't want to get subbed or reversed or you know something like that. So he was really quite quite um, fearful of that. I think understanding it, but just look at the rest of the division. Let's say Logan Storley fought MVP. He's not going to wrestle. That's probably all he's going to do is wrestle. If he fought Douglas Lima, I suspect it'd be the same thing. Now, of course, he'll combine different things, but you know, <laughs> wrestling will be a it, it will feature prominently. Or how about Jason Jackson? It'll feature prominently. How about, to your point, Koreshkov? It'll feature, every way it goes, 
other than this Gracie fight, it will have probably a very strong element of wrestling. I think the better question would be, hey, what if Lima or Lesso MVP, but what if Lima or Koreshkov can stop those takedowns and now he's forced to trade with them on the feet? Well, then I don't know how well he does. But assuming he can mix the threats up, yeah, BC, he can beat a lot of guys. He can be he can be champion in Bellator in this welterweight division. Absolutely. Very fair. Uh, now we got to talk Gracie. So, Luke, it's like... What was your criticism of his tactical choices? I'm curious. Uh, way too willing to to take to, to roll the dice on the feet when it was clearly becoming obvious that Storley was getting the better of the exchanges and his power was just having much more of an impact, obviously short of that fourth round where both had monster moments. I just thought, look, in the end, I scored this five rounds to zero for Storley, which is what wow. one of the three judges had. And, yeah. I, and you know, it comes down to if, if you're Gracie... You know, he raised his hands at the end of the fifth when the fight was over. It, and, and I want to give him so much respect for just gutting it the hell out. And, like, I mean, he took bombs. And he just kept coming back. And he was finding almost creative ways to land some looping shots in the fourth and fifth round. But, Luke, I don't think he tried nearly enough to bring this fight into his strength, right? Mm. Yeah, there was that late stand-up by the referee, but it wasn't like Gracie was trying to you know, go for, for trips or shooting for the legs or even trying those Damian Maya type situations where you just fall back into guard and hope the guy comes with you. I, I, I didn't see that. And we know that he needs that. He needs to live in that spider web to, to have the greatest chance to win. I, I don't get just rolling the dice and going, all right, let's see if I can outstrike him the rest of the way. I mean, it would have been brilliant in round four when he hurt Storley. If this turns into a quick finish, we're like, holy crap, look at Neyman Gracie. But that's a big gamble to take, Luke. It is a big gamble to take. I mean, here's the thing about Neiman Gracie that I just feel like we got to put in context. I think when his first foray into Bellator began, people just did not take him seriously. I mean, they took his ground game seriously, but like they didn't think he was going to be what he ultimately ended up becoming, which was a top welterweight contender who has much more well-rounded skills than people imagine. Even his jiu-jitsu has gotten better for MMA purposes by tightening up what works, you know, you know, picking the high percentage stuff and really sticking to it. His wrestling has gotten a lot better as well. Like he has vastly exceeded expectations in terms of where he started to where he is now. To your point, there obviously still is a bit of a gap between him and the top of that division. Jason Jackson has beaten him and now Logan Storley. So you're putting a couple of those names ahead of him in that list. Rory McDonald as well, right? So, you know, he, he's got some work to do, but I just feel like while I can acknowledge BC that, you know, this, this, I mean, he rocked Storley in the fourth, right? So it wasn't a total loss in that sense. But I think your point is it just had too much of that Demi and Maya versus Anderson Silva thing where it's like, Demian, okay, you struck with him for four rounds already. You didn't get knocked out, but it's just not going anywhere. Go yeah. try something else. Fair point. <clears throat> and I think, fair point. You know, and one thing we didn't talk about a lot was his last win against uh, coming into this fight against Mark Leminger, where he, walked Leminger down and kind of like brutally stopped him. And I think that may have given Gracie a uh, a non-realistic look at his own striking game. Maybe. I'll just say this. For as fair as I think there, the argument is that he still has some development to go to really put his stamp on this division, I just want to make sure, I just want to make sure we don't lose sight of the fact that sometimes guys don't get a lot of uh, acclaim or praise and they end up vastly exceeding what maybe we thought of them, maybe even what they thought of themselves or even the promoter. I think Neiman Gracie is that guy. Still, I think relatively, I'm not sure how old he is. I have to look it up. But 33. Um, 
33. Still got a little bit of time to do some work. Hasn't taken a ton of damage in his career. And I got to say, for him, too, you know, you're right. There probably could have been a couple things. The hindsight's always 2020. But two guys who showed, by the way, a five-round cardio for this. You know, yes, they were tired, but they were still pushing in the fifth. You know, I'm glad Bellator made the switch. And while this was not the most, you know, barn-burning fight beginning to end, it certainly took on life in the championship rounds. And, dude, here was amazing. If that fight was just three rounds, it was kind of a boring ho-hum fight. Five rounds, you got a much more contested affair, a much more difficult affair, one where both guys had to rally out of bad spots and injuries. It was suitable for us to sort which contenders deserve which placements. And by the way, BC, I think that should be factored in depending on what happens with MVP, excuse me, uh, Douglas Lima, and uh, now I can't even remember who the hell he's fighting anymore. Amasov. No, MVP is fighting Amasov. Who's Douglas yes. Lima fighting? My brain doesn't Jason work Jason Jackson. Jason Jackson, yes. I do think the fact that this one was five, I believe that one is only three. Depending on how that goes, we should weight this one a little more heavily because it was a much more difficult affair. Would you live in a world where any number one contender fight, whether it's a main event or not, should be a five-round fight? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. If the pay was summarily changed. If the pay was changed. Because I do it. Like, I know that there's a whole Chael Sonnen argument against five round non-title fights. And some guys just, you know, they still have the cardio for it. I mean, it gets dangerous sometimes in those last two rounds. But it also ends up being sort of that, uh, you know, that own makeshift gatekeeper to tell us who is ready for this or not. So uh, you're right. It, it, it changes the strategy a ton, but it kind of shows us who's ready and who's not. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate it, Luke. I really wouldn't. I wouldn't hate it either. All right, let's go to point number three here. This was a special one. I had not intended to, like, make this a point. You know, heading into when I when I was thinking about what will likely make the rundown on Monday, I would not have put this there ordinarily, at least on paper. And then the fight turned out the way that it turned out, and I just can't not talk about it. How about Andre Koreshkov and what he did to Chance Rencounter? Now we'll talk about the injury a little bit later in the show. He broke a bunch of ribs, and it was the worst thing you've ever seen in your life. Very rarely do you see like a catastrophic injury like this. But here's a more important question, BC. Fucking Andre Koreshkov is only 29 years old. Feels like he's been around forever, BC. Where does he rank after Saturday in your mind among welterweights in Bellator and among welterweights more generally? I think it's time to revisit this conversation. I, I think you're right. So I thought his his comeback here, which included a, a non-Bellator sort of regional fight in Russia, but then it was that absolute domination of Sabah Homasi. And now this, 
Luke, if Scott Coker wanted to and just said, sorry, former champion, he just dominated two guys that were, you know, okay names here. I'm I'm fast tracking this guy to the title. I wouldn't be against it, right? I would you wouldn't hate that, even though this division's so crowded. He's right back where he should be. And it's it's really I I didn't think he could be this good given the layoff, the injuries. You know, he's had some big losses in between. You know, he lost chapters two and three of the Douglas Lima rivalry. But this is freaking violent as shit. I mean, this is this is prime Spartan Koreshkov, Luke. It is just heavy everything he throws is precise and heavy it's hard to say where does he rank now globally in the top 10 at this weight division because you would have to see him you know matched up against some guys outside of here to really prove where he's at but he looks like he can contend with anybody right now luke i mean you when you when you were able to mix together and it took him a while to learn this game we always reference that ben Askren title loss early on where he was just a novice in there and he got, you know, I mean, he got ridden really like a horse the whole you know, fight. It was one of those Ben, you know, Ben Askren trash talk taunting moments. But he still has the explosiveness and then obviously the power and the timing. But he's mixing it now with lessons learned and IQ, like, you know, all those years put in. And he's got a good team there. Like Alexander Shlomenko has been in his corner, the former Bellator middleweight champion since day one. So, um, uh, yeah, Luke. I feel like he could he could make a tough ass fight against anybody in the world right now, and that that's you know we fr- dude be, be honest with me when he was gone for two years you forgot he existed. Yes, totally. I'll I'll I'll, I'll, I'll I will claim absolute uh, mea culpa on this one. I, I have forgot. I mean, I've, I've respected this guy at certain times when I thought everyone was disrespecting him, but now this this is a different conversation. This is. BC. Now, let me correct the record. I said he was 29. He's 31, or I think he just turned 31, whatever the case. Uh, yeah, he'll be 32 in August. So he's 31. He made his debut in March, in Bellator debut, in March of 2012. So he's coming up on 10 years in Bellator. 31 years old, BC. How many guys have we talked about who, you know, they're 27 years old or something and they haven't quite figured it out, but they've gotten a lot better than what they were when they were 21, 22, 23? That's true. I think he's on his probably last major developmental cycle, but. This is the part where a lot of the pieces of the game and the experience and the savvy and the athletic development all begin to merge right here. And everyone gets it a little bit differently in different times. But Koreshkov, to me, is coming into his own. Lands a spinning back kick, and then as soon as Chance, but he obviously let it go, grabs for the the takedown. He was already automatically breaking the wrist and turning into him. Of course, it wasn't a full-throated effort because he was in dire agony. But the point I'm trying to make is I just feel like he's a lot more ready for the kinds of challenges that previously have given him trouble. He'll never be as good on the mat as he is on the feet. That's probably pretty fair. And he does have uh, a lost uh, via choke to Douglas Lima. So to me, BC, what I would like to see is if Logan Storley is not your number one contender, for whatever reason, it's either Lima or Jason Jackson at that Bellator London event, fine, let it be what it is. Logan Storley would be a hell of a test for Koreshkov because Koreshkov suffered greatly under Ben Askren. Obviously, a lot of other guys have had some issues or some 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 successes, I should say, with him on the ground. That might be the fight to make, but I definitely believe that this guy on the right night, on the right night, can beat top five talent. Absolutely, he is Dude, that good. Any fight right now between Jason Jackson and and these two, Storley and Koreshkov, is money. And I and like let's give let's give Bellator credit. They don't do everything right, but this is a division they have. 
They have a fun, young group. I mean, this is great. You know, and obviously Bellator is going to launch the Bantamweight Tournament, the Grand Prix, and it's it's stacked. We can't wait for it. And there's certainly other divisions where they have sometimes, you know, more strength than others. But, uh, you know, these guys, are Luke, these aren't, you know, retreads. These are guys that, that are coming in here and, and they're going for it at the same exact time. And it's fun to watch. How, how weird is it, by the way, that Bellator has had two of the worst injuries I've ever seen in MMA? I've seen guys break ribs. I don't think I've seen five in one, or I should say, I don't think I've seen five from one strike. I don't think I've ever seen five from one strike. And the other part, and again, we'll get to that a little bit later, but the other part is, like we said this on Friday, BC, he fights mean. Dude, is there a greater example of him fighting mean than the immediate intensity with which he throws? It's it's jarring to his opponents, even when he doesn't break their ribs, when he just lands. Like, dude, this guy fights with a certain intensity you just have to respect. Yeah, it's funny. We were, ha- you know, covering Showbox this weekend in Orlando, getting to hang out with Barry Tompkins, Raul Marquez, and you're just, you know, you're talking fights, fight history, fights we've covered, and, you know, you end up talking about that that some guys just have a different, like, fighting will, like, in spirit to them. And you go to somebody like Manny Pacquiao, and you're like, okay, you know, he was selling donuts and cigarettes on the streets in his teens just to try to, you know, keep his family, you know, out of, like, the worst level of poverty. And when somebody like that makes it, and he, I mean, he fights like he's broke, even in his, you know, early 40s, Manny Pacquiao. I mean, it's a special gift. But you look at him and you get it, right? And there's certain other guys who we've seen come from just ridiculous backgrounds in the U.S. And they've got this next level fighting spirit. But Luke, there is just something about the Russians right now and the and the and uh, all of those countries, man. It's just like... I mean, it's just, it's exciting. Frick, it's exciting. It's, it's just in, it's a, it's an intensity Luke that it's like, I need to see what you went through to have this as your default foundation, like demeanor. You know what I mean? Right. Like how, how the hell do you fight that devastating? Cause you know, yeah. you know, there's some shit that went down. Unfortunately, Luke, that formed, you know, the, the basics of, of, of who these individuals became. And these guys are villains in an action movie Luke. And, uh, sorry I, what i was gonna I, I i did want to point out that i think koreshkov fights me and the other part is you had the mvp knee over cyborg and you had this kick to the ribs both injuries that happened in bellator two and then of course dot a 5000s heart attack oh, uh, God. you have some oh. of the more devastating injuries i've ever seen have happened in bellator and by things that you have seen thrown you've seen a million spinning back kicks you've seen a million jump knees but for some reason they happened over there and those those dudes got wrecked as a consequence you ever notice well, there's like an inordinate amount of stick kicks in bellator luke it's a lot of kicking in the dick man i mean dude, every time used it, happens, to, it used like, to be worse at heavyweight who was the big guy who it was like he was brock he would turn the country of uh, the, the the color of uh, country time pink lemonade he was like a former army uh, guy big old dude and he had like six fights in a row where either he did or someone he was fighting the fight had to be stopped because of nutsack kicks that just, just that crippled people. And it went on for like years. We're like, dude, how does this motherfucker still keep k- kicking people in the balls and getting kicked in the balls? I have to look up his name. I forget. Yeah, I was it, there it for uh, Mitrion Karatanov was a recent Bellator. Like first strike one. of the f- first strike of the fight. It's over. Yeah, that, it, it just tends to happen there a lot. I'll find I'll find his name here in a second. Let's talk about a little bit of boxing, BC, because there were some good ones uh, over the weekend. And how about Kell Brook? We were... Not so sure how this one was going to go. We knew Amir was washed. We were concerned Kel was washed. 
Kel ain't washed. Not yet. Not not on this night he wasn't washed. Dude, he didn't just beat Amir Khan. He beat Amir Khan from the opening bell until the referee had mercy on him. One-way traffic basically the entire time. Dominant. Does this prove, not only, obviously Brooke was better than Khan, of course, but BC, he still has something left in the tank. The obituaries on Kel Brook's career, they came a little early, didn't they? They did, and at the oh. end this... Okay, look, look. For what this fight was, which was a sloppy Super Bowl, I mean, his performance was a 10 out of 10, and that starts with the shape he got in. And Luke, even though he got stopped by Terrence Crawford in his last fight, just like Amir Khan did two fights ago, Brooke came into that camp just, I mean, best shape of his career. So he's taking his twilight seriously, and we knew there was potential for him to just be way more fresher than Khan, and, and it played out that way. And it's, it's like... Man, this is the story of every American fight because, like, I liked his game plan and I liked moments of of big success he was having. But I don't want to overplay how good Kel looked and what this win means for him. You know, in terms of what could be next. I mean, he's going to get a payday out of this, but I really fear that that payday is going to come against some young, hungry dude, which is inevitable in the life cycle of fighting that you feed your old to your young, and you know somebody's going to hurt him because I don't think we really know exactly how much Kel has in the tank. And when fights go into the second half and they're competitive and, and close, you know, his body, his face sometimes can fall apart. But yeah, for this level, for this matchup, his patience, by the way, you had to know coming in, no matter the version of the American you're facing, that you're going to get a hurricane of combinations and hand speed in the first round. And that was that. But I love that Brooke commanded the center of the ring, didn't use too much energy, and just waited, waited, right-hand counter, and every time he touched Khan, it was, you know, I mean, this was, it turned out to be a mercy stoppage, Luke, and mm-hmm. I, it was a great stoppage by Victor Laughlin, the referee, because Khan was one punch away for about two and a half rounds where you're like, it, he's going to get flatlined. Like, when it connects, he's, you know, he there's going to be a catastrophe. So I'm glad that we saved that, but it's like, if you get really excited that, oh, Kel's not as washed as we thought, Guess what, Luke? They're just going to put him in there with a stud, and that okay. stud can could 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 break him. You know? Okay, fair. If what ends up happening is Kell Brook, uh, by virtue of this performance, ends up getting someone who is, you know, young, uh, hungry, talented, and you know he's reaching too far by virtue of the promotional extra muscle that this one had. Fine, I'm not anticipating that he would win, but even Steven, who's your guy there, Breadman, was tweeting yeah. about this, and he was saying he thinks, too, that Brooks' <clears throat> washiness has been somewhat overstated. Now, obviously, you've got the eye injuries from some devastating fights. I, I, I rewatched the fight with Brook and Errol Spence, for example, and his whole shit was rocked from that one to say nothing of the Triple G fight on top of that. Like, he has reached above and taken damage. He is not the same guy. I understand that. However, BC, in this one, he was, to your point... He was patient. He was calculating. He was also just like, to me, he looked physically like this was a joke to him. He could have done with a much tougher opponent and physically held his own. I think that's the point I'm trying to say. But isn't maybe that the fear? Le- because well, yes. Okay, okay. But maybe he, maybe you're right. Maybe he leapfrogs too far. But the idea that like Kelbrook is so beat up that short of someone yes. being also extra washy, he can't win. I don't agree with that. I think that's going too well, far. I do agree with that only because he's kind of a different version of Amir Khan right now. Meaning, like that sharpness we saw there against against Khan, who just has 
zero punch resistance left. Like that, that same sharpness would be there. Look, and look, there's talks of, you know, should they put him in there with the bright young prospect, Connor Ben, or I've got even Chris Eubank is calling out, you know, Kel to move back up to middleweight like he did against Triple G and try to face him for the money. And you're like, I don't want to see him get hurt there. But is there other welterweight matchups where he could look great for four or five rounds? Yes, there are. But I still, I, it doesn't change that fear that he implodes eventually in, in a, you know, in a destructful way. But I don't want to harp on that too much because he looked great. And Luke, this turned out to be an event, man. And I always shout out UK boxing, not just the energy of the fans in the arena. Cause I mean, that whole nation and the multiple, uh, you know, parts of it. And let's l obviously lump Ireland in with this, like, it's just real to them out there. I mean, boxing is hot and that arena experience. I know it's two faded stars, but it's still two stars who had like what an 18 year beef against each other. I was ooh, like, if you could feel that watching at home, how great the, the, uh, the pop was in there and the, the energy and the feeling. So it turned out to look like a pay-per-view, you know, championship main event in the end, Luke. And it was, it was good to see those guys get that moment it was good to see Brooke get carried around by Dominic Ingle afterwards, and no one had to, uh, you know, share fluids this time, <laughs> at least not on camera. And um, I, I kind of wish both can just retire because I love that they hugged in the center of the ring afterwards. I love that, you know, they buried the hatchet. And <clears throat> even Amir Khan's like, I don't even remember sparring you back in the day, bro. I know we're, we built this whole feud on this. I don't even remember the sparring session. Um, I wish they just both walk away at 35. You know what I'm saying? Let me read you. A, let me read you a tweet from they uh, got Stephen paid. Edwards. They got paid. Luke Khan got how much, seven. How much million. did they make for this? Khan got seven. <clears throat> got seven, and I think it was four for Brooke. So they Pretty got paid, good. dude. All right. It's, got, it's a good. It's a good payday for them, actually. Uh, this is a tweet from Stephen Edwards. Re react to this. Tell me what you think, because I know you respect him highly. This is a great trainer in boxing. Quote: A fighter gets stopped and he gets called chinny. Brooke is, and he put it in all caps, not chinny. He's actually sturdy. Triple G would stop 99% of 147s ever. Brooke never went down. Spence broke his face and stopped him on attrition. Bud landed a perfect shot. A sturdy sharpshooter always beats Khan. Brooke equals sturdy. What do you make of that? I, I think that's right. Because we're not talking about his chin. We are just talking about the fear of his face swelling apart. And, maybe, and look, maybe that's too aggressive of a fear because two big punchers did it in big time title fights. Um... Do I think Kell Brook could beat the, the the elite level? No, we saw his close-up against Terrence Crawford. I know Bud is next level, but I think if he wants to hang on and get another big payday, and it's probably going to be against a riser, you know, is it out of the question that he has a Nonito Donaire-type late career moment or, or mini resurgence? It's not out of the question because of the shape he's in and because, you're right, he looked freaking sharp in there. So, yes, he is sturdy, Luke, but... <clears throat> There's an expiration date within the fight, I believe, on that sturdiness. That's fair. By the way, um, sort of thinking about this content. Well, you know what? No, it's not really worth bringing up all that much. Uh, but do, do you, by the way, Khan afterwards said, I think this might be it. He didn't declare retirement for the love of God. You have to hope this is Khan at his end because he even said it's not Bomax's fault who was his trainer. He, he, he looked to be in great shape on the scales. Like, he did the physical work. He talked about trying to get his legs under him. And as soon as Kel started landing on him, 
everything just collapsed. It looks to me like his body is at the end of its run. I'm really hoping this is the end. Yeah, and this is the worst scenario for a fighter to hang on because Khan still got it offensively, Luke. I know that he was largely hurt during this fight, but I thought he won the second round, and I thought he had moments. Really, you know, every round played out, Khan would kind of control the first two minutes, and then he'd get rocked in the final minute. I mean, that's how it played out. So if you're Khan, and that's the story of his whole career, if you're Khan, you're probably thinking, well, man, I, I still... Still got it, right? I mean, how many times do we see fighters hang on, Luke, when they got nothing left, but they're the last to know about it? How about when you still physically, you're still quick as crap, you know? You're still, I mean, when he was on the move against Brooke, he was he was successful, and I thought, Luke, this was probably some of the best head movement from Khan we ever saw. Does he still stay in the pocket too long with his chin up? Yes, it's sort of a problem that, that he's always going to have, but he was ducking out of the way of shots and then stepping to the side. I mean, the... The combination of Bud Crawford and Bomax seemed to help him. So, yes, I fear that he's going to remember only that and inevitably come back once more. I don't know. I don't know, man. I hope not. I mean, he's made a lot of money. He's He's been a star. He's acted like a star, even when we stopped believing in, in, in him. And um, But, you know, he, he is, he's been concussed multiple times in many fights. Flatlined. And not to mention being flatlined a couple times. I mean, that Canelo one, which I was in the, you know, I was ringside for in Las Vegas. It's among the, Oh, wow. That's among the most, um, most like sort of harrowing experiences where you're like, you know, nobody wants to talk about it afterwards at how loud that punch. Did he get stretchered for that one? I don't remember, but the, the sound was just, insane that close and then obviously you know his his body just i mean the goat you could see the ghost leave him i mean it, dude mo, to be fair most guys don't want forget coming back from that most guys don't want to come back from that type of loss and you know this guy's always had the balls to stand in there and fight i mean if you want a great fight talk about bc's top 10 great fights for mma fans go revisit his win over marcos maidana he had to walk the tightrope a lot in that mm-hmm. one but but he did it I mean, this guy always, always, but man, dude, I, you know, I'm, I'm getting flashbacks of that Canelo knockout being there that close. You know, that's terrible. Yeah, that's terrible shit. You know, that's, that's All right. not fun. Speaking of knockouts, and we'll end our top five on this, BC. Uh, Knuckle Mania was over the weekend, and no, it was not on Brazzers. It was actually on Fight TV. <laughs> Mike Perry and Chad Mendez, BC, among others, scored some pretty significant wins. Um Mike Perry had to earn it a little bit, but he got it. Chad Mendez looked phenomenal. I uh, won that one basically walking away multiple, uh, dropping his opponent multiple times. Do you have any major takeaways about either the Mendez or the Perry victory here? Well, I apologize. You can dead wrong me that last Friday show I was saying the card was Friday. It was Saturday. And, you know, there's some, I mean, Dave Feldman's telling the schmo that it did like a ridiculously big gate and all this stuff. I mean, who knows? We'll see what happens. But they had names on it. They gave us a reason to tune in, and even though I'm not I'm not Brent Brookhouse level in love with the format of, of Bare Knuckle, they do consistently produce um, entertainment. Luke, I mean, it, it's 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 quick moving too. They don't waste a lot of time, you know. Like mm-hmm. like that next fight is starting, and um, uh, my biggest takeaways is Chad Mendes belongs on this stage, and you know, some of it I do. I'll admit. When Mike Perry and Julian Lane showed up, show up at BKFC, you go, yeah, I get it. <laughs> I get it, right? You know? <laughs> yeah, I get it, right? Uh, so uh, 
But when Chad Mendes does, you're like, man, this guy's almost too talented and successful in his mm -hmm. regular walk of life to want or need this. And it wouldn't be the first guy, though, that's done that and tried this and then maybe was ineffective. I mean, you know, even Paulie Malignaggi tried it once. But Mendes looks perfectly suited for this style. It's And it's different than boxing and MMA. And, there's, and it takes adjusting. And he talked afterwards how effed up his hands and knuckles were. But his timing, his explosion, his ability to navigate distance, he gets it. And if and if he wants to keep making big money and big fights, I mean, try to tell me right now, without even a thinking about what weight class they would do it, Luke, try to tell me right now you'd get fired up to see him and Mike Perry in a bare-knuckle boxing match, right? It's just like, of course you would. It's just something like sure. he actually kind of knows what he's doing. So, Luke, do you believe him when he says he made more for this debut than Francis Ngannou did taking 600000 in his last heavyweight title defense. Maybe. I, if he did, it probably isn't a lot more. And again, you know, that's just the base pay for um, for uh, Francis. He would get some pay-per-view points. So in the end, he might get a lot more. But in terms of base pay, he probably got more. I mean, but, but this is the idea. Like, this is what BKFC is up against. As long as they can rent the time, the career time of a Chad Mendez or a Mike Perry, guys who are not washed, but still have a little bit of uh, you know what made them great in them to still compete, and they've clearly got some name value. They can probably do pretty well. I don't know how long they can survive on that because it does come at a very expensive cost to rent that portion of the career, which is really what a promoter is doing. Um, they have to go above and beyond to get them because they are asking them to compete outside of their normal sort of career sport anyway. What they need is, I know you're asking about Chad and, and Mike, but I'm just thinking about BKFC a little bit. I do, I do think it's worth saying they need someone, you know, this is very easy to say, they need an A.J. McKee. And by that, I mean not a transcendental talent per se, but what they need someone who, at, at, at all points, a promoter is just renting a portion of a fighter's career, but they need someone who could come up through those ranks and then beat the Chad Mendezes, beat the Mike Perrys, right? Because as long as you're just renting stars from other sports, they're only ever going to tune in to watch them, which is fine. You will get them when they're there, but when they're no longer there, there's nothing really holding it. Some kind of anchoring um, figure needs to be there inside BKFC to elevate it beyond, hey, would you tune in for Chad? Yes. Would you tune in for Mike? Yes. So they need That's a expensive male... expensive and short term. <clears throat> are you saying they need a male Paige Van Zandt, or are you saying they need a grassroots, we didn't know this guy before, and now he's the BKFC champion, and he's beating MMA guys who still have you know, more than a little bit left. I would say as I would say the way it currently goes, you're getting some some pretty big MMA names, but not your biggest by any stretch. You're getting guys that Tiago Alves, I think, contended for a UFC title, UFC one hundred against St. Pierre, but he didn't win. Chad Mendez contested for a title but didn't win. So these are championship level fighters. And so you're getting and Mike Perry didn't get that close, but obviously he's a good fit for 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 M, uh, for uh, BKFC. But what I'm trying to point out, obviously, what I think is really missing from from Bare Knuckle, again, they can do this, and I think it will be good for them. But imagine someone coming through who, like, all they've ever... I mean, maybe they dabbled in boxing, maybe they dabbled in MK or uh, um, um, MMA, but somewhere along the lines, they just made BKFC their thing. They ran through it, and then they started beating other stars at it in a way where they became, like, this anchoring thing rather than I'm just trying to rent what's left of someone else's athletic time from a separate sport. I think that shift, to the extent they can make it, would be better for their long-term chances. But that's easier All said right. than and, done. And look, I kind of like Chris Lytle on commentary, too. Dude, Chris Lytle... <laughs> Chris Lytle... Uh, yeah, I can't... Can I talk today? Chris Lytle knows 
a lot about the fight game. This is a guy who was Mr. Remember when he was competing, you didn't care if he won or won or lose. You and it was it came after the loss to Matt Sarah, the Ultimate Fighter finale season four, I think, the 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 rebirth or whatever they called it. Uh he was just like, you know what? Fuck all this. I'm just gonna fight to win motherfucking bonuses, win or lose. And he would go out there and do exactly that. And he was well rounded so he could play the levels. He ended up saying he got enough money from UFC bonuses to buy a home, I think a boat, and then put all of his kids through college because he was so consistently not spending anything, getting these 50K, 100K checks on top, putting it in the bank, and he used it wisely. Good for him, dude. That guy yeah. has seen a lot and done a lot. And there, you know, and he's there's something authentic to the way he 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 commentates that I really like. And it, you know, and he's his voice seems to barely get out of him, and it's you know it's gruffy, but he, he's he's a smart guy and he breaks it down well. Now, quickly on Mike Perry, Luke, which was sort of billed as the headliner, even though the the Luis Palomino title win ended up being the last fight of the night. Um, him and Julian Lane built up the, you know, the shitstorm nicely, you could say, you know what I mean? It might not be your flavor, but they went all in. I mean, they brought a damn bat to the press conference. But this turned out to be a real fight. And, mm -hmm. you know, you can have a Chad Mendes come in and kind of dominate the fight and leave without any touches to your face. Or you can go in there and get carved up. Mike Perry had to work a lot harder than I think any of us, and most importantly, he thought he would against somebody of Lane's perceived talent. Now, let's talk about Lane here. You know, he'd been chinny at times in the past, and they talked about a lot in this broadcast, like, you know, inevitably his chin's going to probably give out. No, dude, he actually, I think, utilized the fact that he's had nine bare-knuckle fights before, used that experience to his advantage. He made this very hard for Perry, and look, Perry took a beating in victory. Mm -hmm. And let's also mention when Perry won that, that triad triller fight against Michael Seals last time out, he also took a beating in that split decision win. I think we're right in saying that, you know, why Perry is a perfect signing for BKFC is because he does appear to have something left in the tank legitimately on the MMA side if he wanted to. And he certainly got some fight in him. Dude, he's used up a lot of that fight in two consecutive ones, Luke. There's no question about it. Well, he might have gotten paid for him. You know, I know he got a decent check, a couple hundred grand or more from the triad one. He probably got something similar. So at a bare minimum, I think you're right. Uh, you know, he is uh, Mike Perry definitely still has a lot of fight left in him, but he's also going through these blood and guts wars that will shorten that window for however long he can use it. But I will say like the Mendezes and the Perrys, these guys who are very valuable to BKFC and would be valuable to other promoters, but they're extremely valuable to BKFC because you can get guys who the fans know are not done, but they're fresh off that UFC run. There's no, there's no, well, he got the triad thing, which he won, but there's not a lot of poisoning in between. There's not a lot of long time where these are retreads. They're not retreads. These are guys still, I would argue, I don't know where Mendez is, but for BKFC, he seemed prime-ish, and I would still say the same for Mike Perry, but you're right. I mean, the way in which these fights are going, it's weird, dude. Sometimes these guys come out of BKFC fights, and we're going to talk about this chance for encounter injury later, so I don't want to say what's worse but dude there is there does appear to be something i think there is research that supports this the facial lacerations that these bare knuckle boxers get are horrific dude they're horrific. brutal <clears throat> brutal i mean i felt bad for paulie getting carved up that time by uh by the goat you know in in, in that uh one-off he had as well um luke can we t speaking of getting brutalized our girl, Britton Beltran, Britton Hart. A tough um, loss, yeah. Yeah, it was a rematch with, I think her name was Ferreira, the fighter who had beaten her in the past. This was for the vacant title, and 
Luke, I don't know how close you you watch sort of like the IG story of both uh, Britton Beltran and Joey Beltran, her husband, but like Britt took this real serious, this fight, you know, putting in an incredible camp. Shout out to to Coach Haas, Joseph Janik, her boxing trainer, and Knuckleheads. But um, she got handled here. This was a very strong performance from Ferreira to outbox her. And, you know, old Britt, man, she took a, a facial beat. I mean, look, these are like car crash images afterwards. Yeah, they look like they've been attacked by a bear or some kind of wild animal that was scratching them, you know? Like, I almost felt bad that, like, whether it's a Brit in heart who's like this grassroots story who, you know, becoming legit, or whether you're saying it's somebody, you know, who had success in MMA, but this is where they're at now. Dude, the other side of it is, like, I question if it's worth it. When you have to go through these type of fights consecutively, you really got to question if it's worth it, Luke. I mean, this is... It's it's a hard way to make a living. It's a hard way to make a living. Very I mean, it's not way. that it's easier with eight ounce gloves and all the head trauma you'll take combined. That's not easier, but some of that Luke is sort of like hope and pray, right? You know that it yeah. doesn't that it's not as bad as you think. This sport, you wear at home, dude. I mean, you you know. Yep, you get t- you get tattooed in this one. No doubt about it. All right. Uh, that is it for our top five, BC. It's no longer time for you to ask me questions or vice versa. It's time for the viewers to ask us questions. It's time for DMs from Donks. As everybody knows, we put up a social post on Sundays. We ask you to fill it up. The producers pick them, and then we answer them. BC, I'll go first here. At high underscore on underscore tubs. Oh, Jesus, fuck. Uh, someone's asking me, how bad is Jamal Hill's chest tattoo? <sighs> well, I like Jamal Hill. By the way, you spelled Jamal wrong. Uh, both the, well, more than <clears> fewer, <throat> the producers were trying to pick it, but they still spelled it wrong. Um, it, you know, this segment can do nothing but get me in trouble. I, I'll say I, my last tattoo did not come out the way I wanted, so I'm hardly in a position to critique. What? I don't like, it, it's not great. It didn't, it I didn't don't think I've heard great. you say that, Luke. I don't yeah, think I've heard it didn't you come, publicly. it didn't come out great. It didn't come, the problem was, I picked the right guy. He executed it exactly the way that he was supposed to, but the aftercare ended up being somewhat unforeseen, somewhat I should have planned better. Just a calamity. Just a complete Is calamity. Is it a so, calamity because of different practices in Colombia or what? Um, yes, but not totally. Um, part of it was because of the heat, I out of nowhere – the day after getting a tattoo, it had nothing to do with the tattoo because I've gotten it other times in my life, but I've been using medication to keep it off. I got a huge skin rash on the arm that the tattoo was going on, and it wasn't on the tattoo itself, but then it grew into it. Then the guy didn't use something called Saniderm, which is what they put on burn victims, but it allows you to cover a new tattoo for up to four or five days, sometimes a week, take it off and then clean it. He just gave me regular old saran wrap, which you know there are ways to do it that way, but I don't like it that way. It creates some other challenges, so my clothes were rubbing up against it. I, I, I would be the first person, uh, you know. I can't, you got I can't, Mr. Hebost, bro. You yeah, got Hebost. Yeah, let, let, let he who's within glass houses, uh, or not in glass houses, no, let he who is within glass houses throw the first stone. But, um, you know, it's not great. It's not great. But I've also got tattoos that suck and are not great. So, but, you know. Now, if I joined Mr. Hebost in getting a tattoo of Emily Whitmire on my left forearm, would you look at me any differently, Luke? You could get the Emily Whitmire tattoo, but you have to get the look on her face when I asked her, are you surprised we won? Because she <laughs> was almost waiting for someone to ask her, be like, how did those two fucks win? You know, you got to yeah. get, 
You got to get that face, not the one of her getting choked out. Yeah. Although equal discomfort in both. So Jamal Hill's got the double thumbs up tats. And you know what, Luke? I'm going to give him two thumbs up for him, okay? I know here's, that artistically they aren't yeah, amazing. They're not great. They're not great. I mean, but, but, you know. But here's the, here's the thing I would say about this. I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Anyone who's got multiple tattoos almost certainly has at least some of them being bad or at least not great. His are uh, here, which means if he gets a chest or an arm or a shoulder piece, he can get them covered up if he wants. So there are some options for him. There are some options for him. All right. For at Solar. That's a real name. BC, gun to your liver. (laughs) How do you see (laughs) Prince Nassim versus pretty boy Floyd's outcome? Now, listen to this question, BC. He didn't say money Mayweather. He said the old... Pretty Boy Floyd, him versus Prince Nassim. How's it go? Okay, so we're probably meeting at what one thirty. Nassim's still going to be a puncher, and Big you know, obviously, he just is his reaction time is ridiculous. His style is the most unorthodox at the elite level, probably that we've ever seen. I mean, it's even more unorthodox than Roy Jones, to be fair. But Floyd is the, I mean, he is the ultimate technician. He is the ultimate yeah. master. Of timing, Dude, and his, Prince Nassim takes so many risks. That's so the thing risks. is Floyd is gonna you know there are times and but in mind you look it's Pretty Boy Floyd who was way more offensively inclined than Money Mayweather due to both the fact that he didn't have as many hand injuries at that point and you know the size differences he could he could walk dudes down and punch you know and and Gaff reaching out and mentioning uh you know uh Emmanuel Augustus you know the the famed journeyman the drunken master who gave Floyd what Floyd always says was his toughest fight of all time you know it was it was just a a tough fight with constant weird movement Nas, Nassim would would succeed in that but you're going to have to ask yourself how long before Floyd makes the adjustment and you know the welterweight version of Floyd he's 100% focused on finding that hole and making the adjustment the pretty boy Floyd is a little bit more offensively inclined, but I think the threat of Nassim's power and in reaction timing and speed would force Floyd into an early version of that money Mayweather defensive, you know, just you can't solve it. And I think by the second half of that fight, Floyd's going to time him and he's going to discipline him with the right hand. And Luke, as much as people say, okay, Mayweather Pacquiao came five years too late. I saw that fight. It sucked. It actually didn't suck. It, Boxing wise, right? Just in terms of strategy and technique, it was a very interesting fight. And I think what so many people realized was Floyd never known for a puncher, but he could discipline you with his counter shots because they're so clean and they are hard and they're on the money. And they're surprising. And they're surprised. They always catch the guys when they're not expecting it. Floyd disciplined Manny Pacquiao at two key moments of that fight to make sure that we didn't see the crazy, exciting Pacquiao that we saw for a hiccup in that fourth round when he backed Floyd up and he hurt him. It was it was in rounds one and two, and it was in rounds 10 and 11 by standing out there right in front of him and countering with hard right hands and basically saying, dude, Pacquiao, come with that shit, but like you're, there's going to be a receipt. You know what I mean? You're going you're gonna, to, you know, do you have flashbacks of Marquez all over again? Because I'm going to make you that. And, and I think he can do that to, to Hamed, Luke. I think, mm. I think Floyd beats him. And you know, I'm a... I am like a day one-ish Nassim Hamed fan. I mean, 
I remember like in the late 90s, a couple of years, I, were, I was really not even watching boxing that closely. And yet when Nassim fought on HBO, you you made a party about it over it. You know what I mean? It was it was a it was an ordeal when he came to MSG to fight Kevin Kelly. Oh, my God, Luke. Big deal. Big deal. All right. Uh, at Schwanky Trey, he writes or she writes, whoever it is. Is it safe to say that Connor is the exception and that SBG and Kavanaugh are overrated? I got this question a bunch, BC. You want to tackle yeah. it first? Well, uh, you know, I, I'm interested in your take on this, Luke. I, I don't know it as in-depth. I do. I have seen this in both boxing and MMA where one camp is so successful because of, you know, sometimes one man or two, or two men that you just assume they'll have the Midas touch on everyone. And then, you know, they go through that season where they take on all these clients and, it you know, doesn't always work out statistically from Freddie Roach to uh, you name it, okay? But people seem to have an online vitriol for SBG that's next level. And maybe that's just automatic because Connor's such a divisive figure tied to that mm-hmm. gym. But is it fair, Luke? It's somewhat fair. Now, I've never exactly seen eye to eye with John Kavanaugh. I remember years ago I reported uh, this was when Dylan Dennis was first being considered as joining that camp. And I had reported that he was being brought in as a coach, and Kavanaugh took great exception to that. He's like, he's a training partner, he's not a coach. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not in the camp. I don't know that. But you know, and, and like when when Manny Pacquiao brings in sparring partners, he doesn't bring in guys better than him. He brings in guys worse than him. And also, um, you know, for a training partner, why is he also cornering with a corner's license? I mean, he's maybe he's not quite coach, but he, like calling him a training partner seems not accurate either. Anyway. Doesn't really matter at this point anyway. And uh, here we are now. Now, here's part of what is going on, I think. There's a lot of backlash towards Connor, And so I think some of that is just bleeding over, to be honest with you. And it's not all that fair. However, there is probably a question to ask about, is there a difference between the results they get from Connor and everyone else? Um, I've heard criticisms of that camp quietly from other people, both inside and outside of Irish MMA. Even the most ardent critics tell me that, you know, Kavanaugh is a good coach and does know what he's talking about. So I don't think you can say that this is some like Connor's success, for example, is not accidental. And to the extent that other members of that camp have had other forms of success, I don't think any of that is accidental. And also part of part of having a great camp, BC, and you know this as well as I do, is like Dude, it's one thing for Henry Hoof to take Logan Storling and turn him to what he's into, but also you got a Logan Storling. You got a four-time All-American who wants to walk in the room and train hard and learn every day. Not everybody gets an opportunity to work with someone like that. So, so understand that. But in saying that, I have just not seen enough broad success at scale from that camp at levels commensurate, not even to Connor, but like, you know, top five guys. In part, there are recruiting challenges because he's in Ireland. He's not over here. There's a lot of other factors, but there probably is something to be said for the fact that like early on when Connor was saying, I have I see this game in all new ways, there was a lot of questioning <clears throat> about like Kavanaugh, what his ideas are. And again, he is a very talented coach. I don't think you can say he's not, but he was probably sharing there was a probably um both guys were probably ballooned up to the front of the or pushed to the front of the pack as like these guys have all the right ideas. And now you're seeing that that comes back down to a more ordinary, earthly level. The other thing is, too, BC, this is true. Some guys can have an advantage early in the game, a coach and fighter tandem, then the rest of the game can catch up and all of their perceived advantages go away. It doesn't mean that they were wrong. It just means they couldn't keep 
a lap on the competition. Well, so some, I mean, the long way of answering this is to say, I think there's something to it, but be careful about how you apply the criticism. Well, look, it, results vary based on different circumstances, but I think sometimes what happens is the coach becomes famous alongside the fighter and they've been working to, with each other since day one, but the fighter is just so next level, adaptable and smart and athletic that, you know, the coach only knows how to train that style to success. And when you try to take that and implement to guys who are not as athletic, smart, you know, and all these other things, you're inevitably going to have, you know, mixed results. And I think we just saw this happen in some form or another, however, the the root of it is to, to what Jackson Wink was, you know, on top for so long and now gets criticized, whether it's fair or not. And, and for us, a hobby as well. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Um, the difference I would say though is Faraz also took Rory to championship level and granted GSP is, you know, one in a million, but you you've seen other evidences of Faraz taking people to pretty far extents. Again Rat Garbage we, before this past weekend. Poor Rat Garbage. He was fighting so well until he wasn't, but yeah, until um, he ended but, up but, on but heavy also here's the other part. Let's again, the jury is is not out yet. You gotta be careful about some of these criticisms. I think there's something to be said for it, but Let's not overstate it. All right. From Gus Nofa. Have any of you dabbled in playing any instruments? If so, which one? BC, you play any instruments? So um I had a I have I have, still have a great dad. And you know, looking back and he's and he's he made me the music fan that I am too, or at least built that foundation just by, you know, being an obsessive, smart, um, you know, fan across of all styles and genres. So I started playing the drums in third grade and my dad went like all out and signed me up for lessons and bought me a really awesome set. And, and you know, it's obviously looking back, Luke, if I could have just told myself one piece of advice, right? Go back to like eight and nine year old me and like, hey, dude, just stick with those drums, bro. OK, because it's going to be, you know, it's going to open up a whole world of of fun life in your future in many different areas. Right. But, you know, I, Every week you go to your drum lesson and they add on another 10 minutes of practice. You know what I'm saying, Luke? And before you know it, you're practicing for two hours every day. And you're like, dude, I want to, there's like some pro wrestling and cartoons on that I'm, I'm supposed to be watching right now. You know, just, just, a, you look back, you know, what an asshole. Right. And you know, my dad was so great. He was like, you know, if you, if you're going to quit, that's fine, but make the decision, you know? And I quit Luke. And I think we sold that drum set within a couple of days. And it was just sort of like, there goes that chapter in my life. And since then, Luke, <laughs> Like a lot of people, I have dabbled on the guitar and played, you know, three, four, five chords and had years that I was more into it than others. And But, you know, it's not like I could pick it up and entertain you, Luke, okay? I can just make weird noises on it. So how about yourself, Luke? I'm, I'm going to guess that you grew up playing the clarinet or something like that, but like intensely for years. It's funny you mentioned clarinet. No, not for me, although my brother played clarinet uh, and still does, actually. He can play the clarinet and he can play guitar and play Well, 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 hold on. If you're playing adult clarinet, you're probably playing something pretty cool, like jazz related and stuff. What, what kind of what does he play? Like I don't know. I where don't is know. he playing? He, just for just fun? At home. Just, just practices? Yeah, just plays. Okay. He played in a band like for a little while um, in high school slash college, but you know, just dabbling. Nothing, nothing serious. Uh, I don't play any instruments. It's one of the major regrets that I have. And can you imagine <laughs> my dad, the man who who handed out Roy Rogers coupons on Halloween? BC, what would be if you wanted to get your kid interested in music, but you wanted to pick the lamest, shittiest instrument known to fucking man? 
what would you select for him? Just the fucking worst. Like, are we talking about like the flute? Is there, are all things in play here, Luke? Oh, I mean, dude, what the we... flute. The flute would be a major upgrade. <laughs> Gaff guessing the triangle. I, I won't think it's that. I'm triangle your dad, would be equally pathetic, but no. Hopefully no. your dad understood the need for more cowbell, Luke, but I don't even think he's that cool. So uh <laughs> No. Um uh, all right. Do you the, know the, what the, the violin is? The no. cello? You know the re- no, no, no. Do you know what the recorder is? Yeah, yeah. It's like a little plasticky flute yeah, kind of it's, thing. It's, it's like yeah, it's like buying your dinner at seven eleven, which I've done many times. Yeah, Luke. yeah I get it's, it. Yeah. It's like it's like my dad being like, I want my kid to learn how to play music, but I don't want to inspire confidence about any choices he ever makes in life. <laughs> and I want him to look as uncool with a music instrument that plays just the least appealing sound of any instrument known to man, including the butthole horn for farting. <laughs> Admit, he, Luke. Admit that 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 decision by your dad is ninety nine percent influenced by the idea that he doesn't want to pay the extra money to like rent a trumpet or something that he knows you're not going to be you're going to care about in a year. And he's like, you know, no, no, give me the plastic flute, okay? Let's go. All right. That is almost certainly what he did. And of course, three lessons in, I'm like, Dad, this fucking sucks. I'm nine. What are you doing? I I literally refuse to keep going. I was like, Dad, I'm not going to fucking recorder lessons. I want to play a fun instrument. You'll play the fucking recorder. So that went nowhere, and then I don't play anything. There you go. That's my story. Uh, we have one more. Hey, well, real quick, Punch- how how much yeah. cooler would I be right now at 43 if I had been playing drums for the last, um, you know, 30 years, Luke? I mean, you'd still be a bitch-ass dork. You know? No way, dude. No way. I'd be real cool, dude. I wouldn't be in this line <laughs> of work, though, probably not. I think the fact that we're not cool is an inevitability, not uh, not a not a detour. Like, I All probably right. would have some shitty day job, Luke, but at nights in, like, dimly lit bars, dude, I'd be getting at it. You know that, right? Maybe that. Maybe that. Uh, all right. From at Punch Drunk Pete, what is BC's favorite part of calling fights, and what's something he doesn't like? BC, what, what, what do you like and not? What's your favorite part and something you don't like about calling fights? All right. My favorite part of calling fights, I'm not the play-by-play guy, so I don't. You know, I, I don't have the, the opportunity, and Barry Tompkins is among the all-time greats to work with. It's so fun, so easy. But look, it's the play-by-play guy's job, whether Tim Moore or Ronaldo, to react. Todd Grisham's great at it. To react in the moment, right? The fight-ending moment. I love that that energy that creates that sequence. And my job as the color commentator is to sort of add that one line, right? Knockout happens. Play-by-play guy delivers. Winner of the fight jumps up on the corner. The opening is there in the moment for you to just in one line passionately sum up what we just saw. Those are the moments, Luke, that I love the best. The ability, again, to add the soundtrack to something that I'm, you know, that I didn't choose. I didn't choose to put on the gloves and get in there. Man, I wish, you know, there's many days, Luke, I wish I I, I could have been that bold and brave. You know what I mean? Uh, but uh, that's what I love. What do I not? I don't think there's a part of the job that I don't love, Luke. I mean, I even... Yeah, I even love putting in the time and watching the fights and, and you know, and travel. reading reading every... It probably tra- oh, yeah, let's say it, Luke. Let's say this right now. I'm going to announce something, Luke. Okay? My whole life, I loved flying. But you know, Luke, probably because I didn't fly for the first time until I was like, you know, an early teen. And it just, it felt, you know, special and magical for a while. But then when you travel a lot for work, obviously that magic goes completely out of the way. But I was still maintaining a healthy attitude with traveling, Luke. I'm at the point now where I am an old bitch about getting on planes and traveling on the level I am with dealing with my 
third consecutive Connecticut winter. I'm just like, I'm done, dude. I, I'm about Madden Cruiser level time, Luke. Just, you know, just drug me up. Let me lay back in the bed and tell me when we get there, all right? Yeah, the travel sucks. It's not fun. Uh, all right. That is it for me. Sir, it's time for your shit. Get on my shit. Uh, yeah, this is what we do every Monday. BC uh, scours the globe for the good and bad, the ugly, the highs and lows, the in-between of combat sports and beyond. And, and shout out again to our regulars the drunken swan all those guys on ig that just fill my dms uh jeremy all i mean those it's the same guys i love it thank you this is have you seen this shit by the way the guy who got his balls kicked constantly in bellator our producer was right it's uh it's uh, eric prindle eric prindle yes he used yes. he was just handing out and then taking unbelievable ball kicks for like seven years it was something insane uh, Luke, real quick, you remember that couple that got married in Vegas by Elvis? They're from yes. Georgia, yes. Uh, and they they had MK merch on, I think, while they were getting married. You know, which is like the ultimate tattoo on the left bicep by uh, the other guy. Um, put some respect on that guy's name, Damien the Donk. They they that was the guy on fan subs last time who who was in the airport with a dog, and we kind of made fun of him for needing oh, a yes. uh, a you know that's our guy, Luke. He's you know all right. Okay. So shout out. I just wanted to shout those those fine folks out. Big time fans of them. Uh, all right, let's look at the shit, Luke. We start in Vegas, UFC fight night. I mentioned Jamal Hill won the fight and sort of won us over by, by getting this close-up. Did you see the pic of him and his son dressing like prom night at that post-press conference? That was great, Luke. That was great. His son with the shades on, too. That's about as cool as you're going to get. So, it, And they ended up That's being nice. on the ESPN desk after, and, uh, and I forgot who was the the uh, the host of that desk, but they put the son on the spot and said, with this 50k bonus, what do you you know what do you want dad to buy you? And it was it was it was you know it was wholesome con- Luke, we don't get enough wholesome content on have you seen this shit? No, we don't. This is where drunk chicks go face first and the elderly die. All right. Well, that was a bold fashion move by the Hill family, but did you see the bold fashion move on said ESPN desk by one Dean Thomas, Luke? What are we doing here, dude? Uh, I mean, it's aggressive. There's parts of it that I like, but Luke, rate that sh- rate that jacket, please. I love Dean. Did Dean get hit in the head with a shovel? What happened here? I don't know. I don't know. But uh, his... Uh, Stephen A. Smith impersonation that played during the World MMA oh, Awards. Jesus. That was good His stuff. Stephen A. is about as good as it gets. Yeah, Dean's the man, but he's dressing like, uh, did he lose a bet? They do a lot of bets on that set, huh? Do you lose a bet? I'm not really sure. All right. Uh, let's go to the action. Did you see David Onama? David Onama? Yeah, dude. Yeah. Rallying to freaking obliterate Gabriel Benitez. Look, that's like some back alley finish right there. That is some violent shit. Didn't Benitez miss weight, too? I don't have that info in front of me. I believe he did. Dude, that's like a like a seven piece with like, you know, the family bucket of chicken with with the side of the, you know, you get all the sides. Look, it's like, you know, that's the oh, full yeah. meal right there. That's not the three piece in the soda. That's the three piece in the soda with the dessert and like the extra cookie that comes with it. Yeah. It, it reminds me, it's not quite as good or forceful, but it's a little bit like what Phil Baroni did to Dave Manet, where you're just like, levitating them against the fence because you're punching them so hard and so quickly. A little bit of that. It's a nice finish. Yeah, big time. Sprinkle a little CTE on there too, probably, Luke. Let's go over to some <laughs> uh, spinny shit done right. Did you see Chris Anhelger um, end the round here in his third round TKO Bob. of Jesse Stratter by... Uh... Yeah, it worked, Luke. 
listen, if it works, do it. Dude, got, <laughs> dude just caught, he was just caught looking. He was just staring at his opponents being like, what the fuck? Luke's like, that's why I vape on air, because if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. All right? Exactly. If it okay. makes you happy. All right, Luke, let's just do the full Johnny Walker experience that he and only he can deliver. Here's the prep point in which he's essentially offering lap dances. Dude, this to just, all- it just drives me nuts. Can we not <laughs> gyrate and cavort while uh, uh, these people are trying to do their job? Can you imagine he does this at like Chick-fil-A too? He's like, I'll have the number one, and he just waits for it. And while he's waiting, he's like fucking doing this bit, you know? We don't have it on this specific clip, but the the referee came in afterwards to give a look, and he was just like, I am not, I don't, I do not want what you're selling. He was not into that, Luke. Wow. It's like, it's. can you imagine this guy in court? It's like, Mr. Walker, how do you plead? I plead guilty of being sexy. <laughs> I plead horny as hell. Uh, Luke, it started high. It finished low. Let's take a look at, at the replay of this. I mean... Luke, I thought he was faking because I've never seen this before. I think what happened was he obviously got hit really hard. I mean, that's that's sort of the basics. But it looked like he was coming forward and then almost tried to catch his balance and then couldn't and then kind of like like ballooned backwards as he tried to right his posture like this. He tries to right it and then just falls backwards. Um, And and you know, he always does wacky shit like... Remember when he injured himself falling on his face after that, that last knockout win? So you never know if he's just playing games, Luke. He, he, Jamal Hill wasn't playing games, I'll tell you yeah, that. Jamal much, Hill's Luke. not playing. But I want to pay attention to something. Obviously, he had switched stances right before this. But I'm going to keep going back to it. You see all, all the time in boxing and kickboxing that this is not a claim that it's, uh, you know, it's a good thing to do. Everyone knows it's a good thing to do. But it's so rare in MMA. I want you to pay attention, not just to this time. Because he stepped with this one and he parries. It's not quite a slip and then counter over the top in that direct way but the ones who can let an opponent throw and then not change position just get out of the way i mean you're changing a little bit but your one foot is staying in place like that the ones who can do that in counter in mma you're going to see so many fights get finished by guys who can do that because it's a enormous enormous advantage in mma because of the asymmetry there's so many guys who cannot do that and don't know how to react when and obviously you get hit hard doing this too because yeah. Little ass glove. So it's a that, very, very, it's more, more people are going to start doing it. So that means that the advantage and its benefits will be less pronounced over time. But right now it's, it's a, it's a, it's the haves and the have nots. And that finishing punch on the ground by Hill was short, direct and nasty turning his chin. And so like, if you see the other angle, Walker's actually not, not fully knocked out here. Now right. he's knocked out. Now Good. Knocked out. Also, God. it should be noted something here. Let's Walker gets countered here. off the jab, but he knew that Jamal was going to lean to his own left, and he threw the right. The right actually lands for Walker. He throws that punch to intercept, so that was pretty nice. But the problem was, you know, a he got the worst of it, and he, you know, he was in direct line for that yeah, vicious. They punch. found the uh, they found that spot on the Death Star, and it exploded. Uh, let's go to the uh, next pick, Gaff. Here of uh, we can check this out quickly. So this is. We thought that was the worst of it, and then the then oh, this pick man. made the rounds. God. Bro, these picks, so they must be taking these with an insane shutter speed where they can just capture every little moment. I feel bad Ooh. for these dudes when this gets posted because if you're a social media manager and you see this, you have to post it. But then you see it, and it's just like, dude, these guys, man, this is a tough way to make a living, bro. That's a well, tough Well, he way was to make high. He was low, but Luke, good to see after the fight on Instagram, he posted, he's high once more. It seems that this loss isn't anything that some proper 12 pizza and blonde chicks can't fix, Luke. So good to see he's back. 
at least he has a good attitude and they're boozing and drinking pizza in the background so nothing wrong with that yep something proper there luke okay no holler head at that party i'll tell you that much wow that's right dude who who, who would when you have proper 12 that's what time it is right there uh luke the 15 seconds of fame that is the shoey hopefully uh it's it's almost over but here's there's a couple stragglers left here's dana white finally following what are we doing we've got we've got executives doing it now really yeah but it's uh, from the official shoey vasa see this takes away the fun of it that you're selling a non-shoe you're basically selling like a a water bottle right yeah i mean this is not the same thing at all yeah like i mean talk about over commercialization of something reckless and raw it's shoey vasa doing it to himself here man bc i went to this bar when i was in brussels once and they had this boot and it was uh all glass it was a it was a glass boot maybe size nine or ten or something it was pretty big actually and the deal was, if you plunk down 50 euros, they didn't charge you. They held on to it in case you ran out of the bar. But as long as you had the boot, they would just keep refilling it. And it would be like a... I mean, you and me could get drunk off of maybe one, at most, two boots. Would you drink out of the boot? Yeah, heck, hell yeah. Heck yeah, that's the answer. At heck another country? Yeah, I, I would go for it, Luke, all right? The delirium, it was the official Delirium Tremens bar, actually. Oh, bar. that'd be awesome. Damn. Um, Luke, we have one more shorty, and it comes from shorty Shuey, and it comes from Jamal Hill. This was at the weigh-ins. This video didn't make too many rounds, but this is Jamal pulling off his uh, own shoe. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And uh, getting a is taste of that. Coke what is that armor? UFC sponsored water? Yeah. Yeah. So, Luke, hopefully that's the last time we show shoeies on here or even do one, Luke. Hey, okay? listen, at least the rock shoe is good for something. <laughs> wow. Yeah. To probably drop a deuce in, Luke, eventually. Um, you can hey, wear let- them and then throw them away. You won't get any extra money, but you can do a shoey out of them. I know what you're saying, Luke. That that little wholesome content we had earlier with Jamal Hill and his son, we need more of that. Let's let's go. Let's go back into that window. Here's Robert Whitaker returning home from his questionable rematch loss to Israel Adesanya and having yeah. his three kids surprise him. I mean, what a what a moment here. I mean, that's just pretty great. That's just pretty great. I can only imagine how great that must have made him feel. Especially after a long ass flight like that, you know, and you got your kids waiting for you. Pretty cool, man. I'd love to see it. So good for him. And, uh, you know, win or lose, he, he did himself proud, I thought. Absolutely. Um, let's go to Bellator 274 from the Mohegan Sun. We mentioned rat garbage, uh, Mandel Nalo. He was must-see TV again. He had some moments, but NyQuil Nick Brown just put him the hell out, Luke. This was brutal, man. Bro, he was winning this fight. 
I thought it was close to a 10-8 first round. He was doing almost whatever he wanted to. He was in control. But Brown just didn't let off the gas, just kind of kept trying. And sure enough, gets through. Uh, steps off the center line there, throws the right hand, goes down, and he just finishes him off. He didn't even wait. It was, man, it was great. It was really great work by him. Can't even deny it. Uh, I was going to show the uh, vintage Andre Korshkov kick that we've now seen a million times. Gaff, we could skip that if you want, or just show it. I mean, people, you know. Just you show can, it, dude. It's so Just brutal. show that. It's so fucking brutal. Pow. We'll talk more you about think, this on odds and ends. Do you think Dennis Seaver reached out to him? <laughs> I don't think so. Also, I don't know how his German would be. Yes, yes. You, I mean, Joe Rogan's got a pretty, pretty, pretty fast spinning kick too. Luke. Yeah, but even dude, how many times you've seen someone shatter ribs like that? I just don't Ooh. think I've ever seen that many in one go in one shot because all the punches follow up all to the head. Wow, are, wow. Are wow. you saying the only ribs Joe Rogan sh- slams is when he uh, he cooks them on an open fire out back, Luke, and then tweets? Does about he cook it? the elk meat on the Traeger grills? That's usually what people do in this space. Uh, oh, Chad Mendes is a big... Uh, doesn't he sell, like, his own jerky or something? Dude, he has his own, like, hunting and fishing business. Like, uh, like he takes people on these expeditions and whatnot to go hunt. I don't know if big game, but a little bit more difficult to get game, like turkey, for example. You're like, hey, Chad, how about we just go straight for the BBLs, bro? All right. <laughs> I mean, let's-, go to, let's go to Miami. We, do some, we can do some uh, different kinds of hunting. Yes. And yes. Tukey's here. I don't know if you can hear her incessant oh, screams. Oh, yeah, Luke. Of course. Of course. Uh, what's the movie again? The movie. What's the movie? Right uh, now? What, what are you talking about? The, the movie of her life, Encanto. Thank you, Gaff. Oh, the movie, which the we watched this morning, life. by the way. Yes. 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 All right, Luke, your guy, Hami Mungia, had a uh, homecoming to Tijuana. It was on the zone. It was in a bull riding ring, which the crowd atmosphere was. I'm sorry. Did I say bull ride? Bull fighting ring right on the edge of the ocean. The, the, the crowd was insane, and Mungia got a. I guess a stay-busy knockout in the third round here of Demetrius Ballard. He looked great, though, Luke. It was good to see him get that type of love from the crowd. I mean, this is almost a Kell Brook, Amir Khan-type environment, Luke. I'm telling you. How good was his opponent? Because Mungia, you know, first two rounds kind of was taking his time and then was just like, yeah, I've had enough of this shit. Doubled up on the left hook and sent this dude into the land of wind and ghosts. I think it was a stay busy. I don't know if it had stay some kind fight. of okay. mandatory thing, if it gets him one step closer or whatever. But, uh, yeah, uh, I want to see him in a monster fight. It's time, Luke. He's, you know what I mean? He, he's he's as ready as he'll, he's going to be, meaning he's still raw. But, dude, he fights hard, man. Let, wouldn't you love? Wouldn't hard, you just, hard puncher, good puncher. Wouldn't you just like love to see yeah. him against Triple G? I mean, wouldn't yeah, you exactly. just love exactly. that yeah. shit? Come on, That's man. a good time to make it, too, because Triple G is a little bit washy. Yeah. Luke, let's rock out with our cock out here. Uh, check out this M- NBA fans simulating the air guitar at the Phoenix Suns game. Not this guy. This guy, Luke. Just just blowing people, huh? <laughs> I mean, is that... A, I mean, you're into this, you know, hardcore metal. Is, it, is he just screaming into the Mike Cannibal Corpse style, Luke, or is he actually simulating fellatio? You're, you're, you know, your thoughts. Luke. Listen, I think this guy was like, when this is over, I'm just going to play some air guitar and blow some dudes. It's going to be rad. <laughs> And it probably was for him. It was probably awesome. All right. All right. Uh, speaking of uh, headbanging, Luke, let's go over to Finland <laughs> where they held a heavy metal knitting contest where you and your grandmother can finally have, uh, you know, similar uh, things to get excited about, Luke. Look at yeah, this. See, I'm a metal fan, but I have nothing in common with these dorks. 
Yeah, that's my look too. It's more like, okay, this is sad. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Oh, who's look at that guy? Look at the look at the whoa, whoa, hey, what is watch bad watch bad sumo. Is that tip on tip right there? I, yeah, I mean that's just what the fuck are we doing? I, I don't know. I'm kinda coming around on this look. <laughs> this is, uh... like, all she made was like a ball hammock. <laughs> it's like listen. I don't need that. I've got manscaped. I don't have disgusting genitals anymore. Well, they have trophies, too. This is great. Oh, look at their chair. They're just jamming out at the end, dude. This is great. Yeah. I can't believe that. Well, you know what? There's actually some racial diversity there, but I was going to say this is... <laughs> I can't believe most of them are oh, white. It seems so out look, of character. Look, they won over the crowd, too, by the end of it, Luke. They won over... There's like Rocky Four. This is great. Okay. Shout out to Finland. We never talk about them. Uh, it's BBL time, Luke. Um, true or false? You've been Thank to Colombia. You've been to Colombia. This is how a real man handles a Latin woman. True or false, here, Luke? Damn, right? Bro, is this Ray Mysterio Jr.? Who is this? <laughs> You're like, I'm waiting for the concussive neck break. I know. Here. <laughs> I kept waiting for one of them to fall, and I was like, no, they're actually awesome. Uh, yeah, no, the, the fan that sent this in said we can celebrate wins too on the show, Luke. There's a win, you know? I don't know where this is from. I'm maybe Kali, which is the home of salsa. I don't know. They, but these fuckers can dance. Damn right. I'm, I'm sure this is me good. trying to put my daughter to bed most nights. Uh, <laughs> it's about as successful in terms of uh, inducing slumber. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Uh, Luke, let's go to the subway. Speaking of BBLs, I, I don't know how this guy stole your mask, but he's now wearing it out in public, Luke. It says uh, Latin women are the best, Luke. Okay, I don't know where he got this mic, and he's obviously got his left hand in a, you know, kind of place right now, but this is... Listen, not all heroes wear capes, BC. Sometimes they wear masks. (laughs) All right, back to uh, not regional MMA. Honestly, if Fauci and the CDC had come out with one of these things, I don't think masking would ever have been a controversy in this country. They just yeah. be like, listen, we got these masks. They say, well, Latin women are the best. We need you to wear them. I'm like, okay, that sounds right. Uh, let's go over to Prime MMA One, a Polish promotion, Luke. Check out this late stoppage in this all-female battle. Your thoughts, Luke? I mean, once they turn their head, shouldn't the fight be over? I mean, there's a lot of things I want to say. Um, oh, now it looks more normal. A man has joined. <laughs> um, Is this where they get undressed on TV? Um, I don't know. You're I like, don't. I've actually seen this adult film before. It's very yeah, violent. It, it, yeah. it started out just like this, but it went a very different direction. All right, Luke. Uh, they usually say uh, Fridays on MK are, are for the art because BC's on the mic. But Mondays on MK, we show some art, show some art from time to time here's artist boo boo design he has paint on his boxing gloves here luke this is uh wow your thoughts as this comes together oh and he does ali in the pool upside down indeed i like he went from like jabbing to now like but look at the finished product dude that's insane yeah he's uh ridiculously talented that's insane 
Shout out to Boo Boo Design. Yes, not Boo Boo Wild Thing, Luke. That's <laughs> although MMA related, that's another story altogether. Also, not uh, Boo Boo Andre. That's a different guy. As as well as well. All right, Luke. It's time for hot dogs to the face. Does this um should this video make my liver cower in fear or make me aroused, Luke? Your thoughts? Man, how did this one clear the producer? Wow. <laughs> Like we did, we we did show a death that time in that circus incident, but uh, maybe uh, this is. This too is. Jeez, now I'm now I'm the horny one. What is going on here? This is terrible for me. Uh, this is not professional. Okay, all right, back to uh, real sports, Luke. Let's go to Russia from boxing over the weekend. Jorge Linares, the the veteran, Luke signed with a Russian promotion, made his Russian debut, and Zawur Abdulayev. In the 12th round, sent Linares packing via KO-12, Luke. Tough turn of events. Yeah, I was hoping for Linares to have a better run here, candidly. But it might be, he's got a lot of damage, dude. The, the thing is, he's had a few of these throughout his career. These sort of surprising knockout losses. We're like, oh, he might be done. And then he just comes back, Luke. But yeah, this looked bad. This did this, not. The, yeah, he just looked. He looked weary. He looked weary yeah. in this one. That's the one that gives me a little bit of concern. But you're right. He has certainly shown a propensity for a rebound. Damn, those are those are some hard-ass shots. Uh, I think they're trying to put Abdulayev in, against Devin Haney next, although Haney already beat him. So, you know, it's typical. Bro, these boxing, boxing referees, they can't stand wearing the latex gloves, huh? They hate that. They want to get their hands all in that blood, sweat, and mucus. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, Luke, there's a promotion called... A A C A Y E in Europe. This was Akaye twenty four. Um, it brought a few different highlights, including Kasan Dadalov celebrating by punching the camera. Luke, yeah, a little. Hey, let's Superman punch the cameraman who <laughs> whose camera probably costs more than your purse. I've heard of punching the clown in celebration when you're alone in the locker room afterwards, Luke. But this is a little different. A little old. This is not flogging the dolphin. That's not what this is. Indeed. Uh, Luke, on the same card, it was good to see that the pile driver has made its way back into Russian MMA. Yeah, it's actually expressly illegal. Oh, oh, that's, oh a that's, more of a, that's more of a tilt. That's a scorpion pile driver, I think, Luke. It's more of a tilt uh, than any. They're like, did, can we yeah, get a concussion? Yeah, I mean, a little bit, a little bit. Wow. That's what my back feels like, Luke. That right now, yes. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. But you didn't okay, do it from this. Yeah. You just did it from trying to not be gross. Indeed, indeed. Luke, European MMA, I mean, it just hits different on this show. Uh, did you check out this argument cage side somewhere in Europe that turned into some hands, dude? Did you see this? Yeah, dude, this is slick. So you notice he's got his left hand doing the talking and the one that's closest to his face, but he lines up southpaw right here and then just lets it go with the left first, the one he's hiding. See that? Kind of clever if you actually pay, pay attention to this. Indeed. I, I don't know the men involved in this, Luke. I don't know if this is a Leon Edwards Masvidal situation, but uh, it's not the last one we have. Let's go to some other M MMA weigh-in talk show. I don't really know what's going on here, Luke, but there's violence, so we'll check it out. Definitely two guys who read a lot of books. <laughs> there's probably a mom joke in there. And... Oh boy, he put he put uh, Run DMC on Queer Street there, Luke. He still got that look in his face, like, 
I'm sorry. I'm still. Everyone thinks I'm still tough. I'm still tough, right? I'm, everyone thinks I'm still <laughs> tough. Let me see it one more time. Hang on. Let's see here. They, they exchange hands. Pulls. Oh. Oh. You pull a guy in, Luke. You better be ready for that smoke. That's you're gonna get a smack or a kiss, buddy. That, better be ready. That, that's right. That's right. Okay. Um. Let's go to the Winter Olympics. Uh. I guess you could say. Worst pain of your life, Mr. Shaw. Luke, did you see this real headline from the New York Post? <laughs> this is legit. It's on like many news outlets. Finland skier uh, suffers frozen penis during. Uh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Bro, did you see this? Uh, I know you don't watch the game, but it did make some headlines for it. Did you see this U.S. men's game against Honduras in Minnesota? No. Soccer. It was soccer. I know you don't care about this, but here's the deal. These motherfuckers, and it could be retaliation for like games being in Honduras when it's like hot as balls, but I, it, even then it's not the same. They had this game. It was either like St. Paul, Minnesota, or someplace cold as fuck. It was minus one when the game started. Two of the Honduran players had to go to the hospital at halftime for hyperthermia. Hypothermia, Damn. excuse me. Yeah. So this Finnish skier getting his dick frozen, I'm like, you dumbasses, keep doing fuck. Dude, when it starts to snow, maybe call off the sports. I realize football and some other ones you can make an exception for here or there. If it's fucking below, you know, 12 degrees or what, call it a day. Will you please? Yeah. Call it a day. Yeah, please. Thank you. That's a good. That's a good also, uh... fuck your dick, Finnish guy. <laughs> All right. Hey, Luke, uh, Con Brook was a pretty good fight on Saturday inside the arena there in Manchester, England. I'm not sure it was the best fight of the night, though. Check out the crowd in this guy in the blue jacket currently on the ground. Watch this play out. Bro, they get busy in Sheffield, huh? Manchester, dude. It was it Manchester? I thought this was, uh, I thought, I thought, uh, oh, no, excuse me, excuse me. The fight with Brooke and, uh, and Spence. Spence was in Sheffield. I apologize. Yes. Yeah, dude, these, dude Manchester gets busy, too. Dude, this guy in the blue jacket just won't go down. He won't stay down, you know? Yeah, he's handing out L's here. Southpaw, change of stances. Look at that. He might have a future, yeah. We gotta. We might have to sign this guy up. Interesting. Crowd uh, fights, although, Jose, you would agree, crowd fights are the best when they take place at different heights. So, like, one person is at one level, another person is, like, two or three levels up, and then they're having to fight in the middle. That's the best. Yeah, yeah. Th th you get the high ground, Luke, Obi-Wan style, though, you're going you're gonna to get that W. Uh, Luke, everybody sends me in, you know, they just want you to rate that tat, Luke. Dustin Poirier edition. Your thoughts on this, fans? Uh, yeah. He didn't get that, did he? No, no. This no. is a fan. It's a fan so this tat. is a style called uh, American traditional. And um, it's a bit of a mess, to tell you candidly. Um, Good abs, though. The abs are, you know... Dustin's and and like the that. fact that they got Poirier's body is like kind of his torso is kind of squarish a little bit, you know, um, it's dude, it's going to be a hard tattoo to do because you have to do tattoos on a tattoo. Obviously, you know, Poirier's got them on his arms, but the gloves are a mess. They're not, you know, they both look different. His face is kind of weird. The shading in the back, it's like super saturated. Arm. I don't like the diamond in the cross. Hold on, hold on. Either. Look, it's yeah. super saturated arm to elbow. Or I should say elbow to torso, but then around the head, there's actually light shading, which you would want to bring it out, but it still looks kind of weird because it's uneven in that way. It's not great. It's not great. No, no. The diamond in the crotch is, uh, it's just, I'm unsettled looking at it, Luke. 
Finally, uh, Luke, let's, uh, I'll be honest. This has been me at, at many, many a, a party from college, really, really through adulthood, Luke, probably until a few months ago. Look at this guy in the background of this party just going after it. This is me after I've told everyone I've lost a lot of weight. <laughs> I went to this uh, college graduation party one time, Luke, and like nobody showed up because the weather was really bad. So they had all this extra food. I had a full tray of lasagna over Dude. like over like a four hour period. Just I mean, you, th the you think people think going to a nice restaurant is is peak eating. When have you ever felt better after eating than when you've you know, launched Chef Boyardee into your mouth t three sheets to the wind from being drunk. That is peak fucking eating right there. And, and like, you're not eating, you're making love to the food, to be fair. I mean, it, it's a, you know, you there's a consummation going on. I mean, look at this guy. Look, get that guy a cigarette, Luke. Also, I should point out something. Like, first of all, I noticed he was taking huge mouthfuls here. I mean, look at this fucking ape, right? This guy is definitely a primate, number one. And half of it's falling back in. That means he definitely likes to share, which is nice. I don't know. This is relatable, Luke. I know, you can I know he deserves Wait. your insults, but this is relatable. Oh, it's super relatable. I mean, I would eat like worse than this. But I want watch when he opens up and he turns up here. Look at the size of this creep's mouth. Ah! He's like a whale shark where all of it just gets fucking sucked in when he opens his mouth, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Luke. Remember back then when you were that age, you could like fall asleep on a beanbag or something in some college apartment that you don't even know whose it is and how you got there. And then you just pop right back up the next morning and go on with your life, Luke. But, you know, no back pain at all. Right. That was. Yeah. Great, and bro. now you sneeze when you're on the shitter and you have to go get an MRI. Yeah. I mean, look, you slept on like a pull, like a, a chair before. I mean, you know, like I'm talking like a Dude, metal chair. I used chair. to sleep on actual um, uh, armory equipment. Like they would, when I was in the gun line in the Marine Corps, they would like store it in the back of these uh, five tons. I would just hop on the back of the five ton and then just sleep on top of it. And now it's like if I have a crick in my neck from a two hour flight, I wake up paralyzed from the neck down and I have to get, you know, is there a doctor on the flight? We've got a pussy in the front here. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, Luke. I, I, I laid in bed for probably about 12 hours yesterday, really just asking myself, like, I'm physically unable to get to the bathroom. You know, I'm better now, but yesterday was like, I, you know, I Dude. literally could not crawl there right now. Dude, Forget. You got, you got, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I just, I guarantee this is what the doctor's going to tell you. Your core is weak and you just got to get strong. That's it. That's all there is to it. And you shouldn't lay around too much. You kind of kind of lean into the movement. More movement warms it up and gives you what you need. So don't rest too, too much. Do you think I've aged from all of these uh, injuries? Sorry, do you think I do you? I think you have AIDS. Yes, I think you have AIDS. <laughs> no, aged, aged. <laughs> do you think I've aged from this experience? Yes, yeah. dude. So, going and tra traveling as much as you do, if you're not fucking deadlifting in your garage in the in between, is gonna. This is gonna. This is what you're gonna get. This is what you're gonna get. All right, all right. Hey, next um showbox trip in March, Luke, Deadwood, South Dakota. <laughs> yeah, yeah, baby. BC's coming. I hopefully we get. Do you think we have any MK fans in South Dakota? Why is there a one? place in South Dakota named after your pathetic erections? <laughs> yeah. I wish I could argue against that, Luke, but I've had the, you know, the, the yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So much. Uh, so, I'm just teasing. so much for the libido, Luke. Yeah, that's great. Is that it? Is that all your shit? 
Um, yeah, uh, you know, my idea though of 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 You're, buying that rest. You. We cannot hear you. I cannot. Hear you. <clears> okay. Go. Now I okay. can hear. You. Now you can hear me. My idea of buying that that restaurant and employing down on their luck former MMA fighters as as waitresses and then having a ring in there just in case they need to settle their, you know, cause every restaurant you work at or a bar, there's backroom differences, you know what I mean? And having them potentially, you know, fight in the bar for extra cash and me being like the Patrick Swayze of this organization, is that morally questionable or is that providing a, a, a second act for these fighters? I would say, um, Having a fight club at your bar is probably going to get you sent to jail. Probably. Well, like they'd sign waivers and stuff, Luke. Oh, illegal documents that hold no binding? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Sorry, Luke. Uh, odds and ends time. Yes. Odds and ends. What do you got for me, BC? Uh, look, on that Bellator undercard, and we didn't even mention Brennan Ward, and I want to give him that shout out, Luke, for that comeback from from really extreme drug use. I mean, he was he was living the life. He hasn't fought since 2017. So on the Bellator card on Saturday, Brendan Ward, got bumped up to the main card. Congratulations on a successful comeback. He got the victory, Luke. It wasn't against a world beater. And, you know, afterwards he's saying, look, you know, it's the same thing as it was before. I'm going to come in there for the knockout or get knocked out trying. So put me in there against, you know, somebody big. I, I hope he gets his chance to end his career on his own terms. He's still... Still a wild man, Luke, and he's fun to watch. But on a personal note, great to see him back. But Aviv Gozali was a guy I was circling on the calendar to see him on the prelims. 6-0 and coming in with six first-round submission wins, usually in the spectacular fashion. But, Luke, he ran into a 38-year-old Bobby King from Hawaii who just wouldn't wouldn't give in. Wouldn't, you know, just would not, would not stop. And shockingly... Gozali gassed himself out so hardcore in surviving a first round that was round of the year potential, just crazy, that they stopped the fight at the start of round two out of just, he was done. Luke, he was literally done. That's a shocking way to go down because he had moments in this first round, Gozali. He took some big strikes. He got it to the ground. He nearly got a submission, but he he used up the whole tank, Luke, in that five minutes. And uh, I guess that's why, you know, a fight like this, was on the prelims because Gozali's going to have to learn from this and bounce back. But man, as far as implosions go, that was that was shocking. Well, you're hardly telling the full story. So he, first of all, King turned in a 10-8 round. I mean, that was as clear a 10-8 as it gets. In fact, I thought he was going to stop him a couple of times. So it gets to the in-between with the first and the second. You see what's happening here on the screen. This is what the, and I wasn't in the ring, so I can only say what the broadcast booth was telling us. What they were telling us was, that Aviv Gozali, who of course is from Israel, was asking for a Hebrew translator, which if you don't speak English, you are entitled to get one. The problem is the broadcast booth also says he speaks English. And I had people DM me saying they've done interviews with him in English. So what the broadcast booth said was, you know, hey, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Basically, they said he was trying to get extra time. But I guess the doctor kind of figured out between then and that, that, you know, this dude was just not ready to go back out there and they waved it, which was a good call. Here was my thing. Forget all the weird ending. The dude is 21, 21. This was a bad loss, and he imploded, no doubt about it. He's got a lot of work to do. But at being 21 in Bellator, they can give him the kind of matchmaking where it would be extremely foolish to just to be like, oh, he's no good. Well, he needs he has a lot of work to do, but he can come back. The thing that's weird was that he was like, I need a, or however he said it to the referee, that he needed a Hebrew translator. Boy, that's the old, uh, 
that's the Chael Sonnen school they are fighting. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like uh, we've seen you all pretty Romero blatant. Get 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 edging get get the edge in in certain spots. We saw yeah, um, yeah. Diego Corrales spitting out the mouthpiece against Castillo to buy. You know, he lost a point, but it bought him extra time. It's a uh, it's a survival move. But you know, man, uh, that was a wild fight, Luke. Shout out to Bobby King. You know, who's been a you know kind a of a journeyman, job. and yeah. that that that's a big win for him. And you know, Gozali he did he tried to fight his way out of it, man, and that's what used up all the energy. I mean, he was right. he was. He doesn't have a, an evolved striking game, but, but you know, he sat down and tried. But, uh, man, uh, Bellator, I'll tell you what, Luke, they tend to have two or three of these on the prelim cards each time where you're like, I just got to see what happens. You know, they, 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 they develop characters pretty well. Okay? It's, the, it's as close as you can get. It's not the same, but it's the, as close as you can get to, um, to uh, like, the wildness of the regional scene. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where you're just like, I can't believe that just fucking happened. That's you get a lot of that on there. Uh for me, well, we'll stick with the Bellator card. We we had kind of telegraphed it. Let's talk about it now for very quickly. So Koreshkov wins against Chance Rencounter. Rencounter went two and two in UFC, by the way. So um obviously a guy who's got some decent experience. Uh he'd been off for I think some time, but here he is back. He takes this spinning back kick to the ribs, which he didn't take flush on. It kind of hit underneath the armpit there, almost to the back. It ended up, and we have pictures of it. There's the picture of the strike landing. Then the manager for Chance Rencounter, who is Brian Butler, gets on Instagram, and you can look here, and you can see it broke five of his ribs, that Damn. one strike, and punctured his lung. He had to go into surgery to get all of that repaired. I've said it before. I'll say it again. That is, you see, you see injuries in combat sports. You see bad injuries in combat sports. You see injuries that look bad that maybe aren't, like ones that bleed, but maybe aren't necessarily all that bad. And every once in a while, you see like, oh, this is borderline, if not outright, catastrophic injury. It's not catastrophic in the sense of, um, you know, his health and safety. I think will be fine. But in terms of what could happen if it went untreated, it would be extremely damaging. BC, that's a bad, bad, bad injury. Yeah, that is that. that... Damn, so early in the fight too. You know, Chance didn't really get a chance to uh, pun not intended there to, uh, you know, show what he could do. And you know, he had, he's got like a sixteen and four record or something coming in. I mean, you know, the guy the guy's fought at a fairly high level. But damn, it's perfect shot, Luke. It's the it's the damn perfect shot. All right, and, that's what it is. Um, I mean, it's like it's like when Cyborg took that knee to the face from Michael Page. It's like. You know, we've seen guys take flush knees like that. Never seen a guy's forehead just cave in, though. Okay? You know what I mean? Sometimes it's... It, damn, man. You know? Damn. It's crazy. It's crazy. All right. So that is it for us. The perfect show right there. Morning Combat. Thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Hit subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Leave us a nice review if you're listening on Spotify, uh, YouTube podcast, or whatever the fuck it is these days. Uh, you can email us. Wednesdays, fan subs, Fridays, dead wrong. Which, by the way, Wednesday, Friday back in studio bitches morning combat at gmail.com to see us in studio of course to get us those things for that showtime.com is the label that pays you can see bc you can see good boxing you can see bellator go to showtime.com get a 30-day free trial if you like it you can keep it if not you can pound sand and uh morning combat.store we still have live 10 bc here on president's day you can get some merch a little bit of a uh off on in the final tally yeah 10 percent off with live 10 do that uh we're we're ever evolving. In fact, some of the ideas we've got a little little sneak peek at are you know this guy this this guy this guy RJ right? I mean again you know 
That's why we make ridiculous jokes on there because the guy's been pitching a perfect game and, you know, maybe he's juicing. You know what I'm saying? Maybe he's doctoring the ball. I I don't know. I think he is on performance-enhancing drugs because otherwise I couldn't explain how good of a job he's doing. Yeah. Uh, Luke, it's President's Day, so this, this, me mentioning this would make sense. Do you remember the, the full back brace from neck to stern to waist that JFK wore when he got shot by uh, uh, the, the CIA or the Cubans or I don't know, Oliver Stone, whoever, whoever pulled the trigger, Luke. And it, they say it prevented him from being able to fall after the first shot that maybe would have saved his life and kept him there in range to get, you know, Zapruder'd. Um, do you think a back brace like that on me would allow me to go to Jersey City this week, you know, and, and function? Given you do my not need a back brace. You need a little bit of testicles, baby, please. Oh, and wow. what you have to realize is, dude, I'm telling you, it's, it sounds counterintuitive. Talk to your doctor. He'll give you the proper parameters. But for what you have, almost certainly, you have to lean into active recovery. If you sit around, it will take longer to feel better. you got to move into it. And, dude, you got to do some fucking deadlifts. Your core is weak. Your core is How about weak. yoga, Luke? Yoga's good, too. Yoga's good, too. Yoga's, gr- yoga's great. Yoga's great. All right. Um, all right. Whatever works for you, BC. Let me know how what the doctor says, aside from being you being pathetic and old. Uh, curious to hear that. We are back in studio for the rest of the shows this week. So big thanks to Malka, Showtime, CBS Sports. Uh, thanks to you watching. And thanks to my partner in crime, BC, who I will see in about 48 hours or so. All right? Until then, thumbs up. See you all next time. May all your gains be loyal. We're out.